So welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast, uh, time now for our monthly preview show. Uh, so with this podcast, what we're always wanting to do is go through the previews, books, give people a little bit of an insight into what's coming out, certainly pick out the titles that appeal to us the most. Um, you know, you've obviously got myself, Mr. DC, you've got Mr. Marvel, Keith, and Mr. Indy, Roddy. So it's been a little while. I mean, we, we it's, been it's, a while, it's a rare McCann sighting here. You know, we haven't <laughs> seen him in weeks. It's almost like he might be busy with you something. You know, living it's like it Bigfoot. up, living it up. Um, yeah, yeah, been quite busy. Um, yeah, been the soul of the sea has finally gone to print. So that's a big stress off my shoulders. So the sea being your next the award winning release, yes. Yeah. Well, award-winning. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good segue for slightly later. But um, yeah, like I was, a couple of weekends were just a bit crazy. I had I had WorldCon in Dublin, and then I ended up at TitanCon, which was good. And I thought I could maybe pop over, but I ended up doing a panel there, which was really my like first panel. Like sounds a bit like a, it was a writer's panel, early learning center. My first comic book panel. <laughs> and obviously, um, all these podcasts you've done with us just built up that yeah, confidence. Yeah, it definitely speak. did. We had um, moderator was a guy called Andy Luke, who's a big, big sort of Belfast indie comic writer, and it also had um, Lawrence. I think it's Lawrence McKenna from Sector Thirteen, and it also had James Roberts of uh, Transformers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to be next to him. And then there was me, and um, but they were also it's pretty cool to be next to Roddy. That's it. Yeah, and there was also Ryan Brown, who's done like lots of Marvel covers and stuff. So it was. It wasn't a writers panel. It was um, what or it was all the things you didn't know about comics so we got applause at the end which was good and we got a few questions that's what I, that's what I was happy about because you were worried that the moderator was yeah. going to go anybody got any questions because it was moderated Anyone? for about 40 minutes and then do you know when you open up the questions you're, yeah. you're petrified of that deathly silence but no we had a couple of good couple of questions and yeah yeah it was, it was really good really um just interesting to discuss com- yeah. comics to be honest um yeah titan titan com is pretty interesting wasn't like the most amazing sales wise mm-hmm. but sure um yeah it was really good and then just my girlfriend and i went up to the oma bluegrass festival last weekend so that was nice to chill out and have a few beers and just have some music and it was good to be up in the uh, the home, the McCann's homeland, Oma direction. Oh yeah, so, yeah, it's good. So I, I like how you mentioned the two most positive things there. We're sitting talking comics and chilling with a few beers, yeah. and now you get to do both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's just a perfect so, you know yeah. Thursday evening right there. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. How about yourself, Keith? And obviously you had Stendhal recently. Yeah, so Stendhal was uh, middle of weekend of August, wasn't it? So a couple of weeks back now as as yeah, our as our recording. Time ago, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a wetter weekend than uh, than we had hoped, um, but there was still what close to ten thousand people on the site. Some great. Uh, all, there, all there to see you, of course. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all there to see some of the finest um, original music that. Uh, the UK has to offer a uh, lot of Northern Irish bands playing a lot of Irish bands playing um, I'm not usually a big wouldn't be my first choice of genre would be hip hop mm-hmm. but there's a young guy 
uh, from Belfast uh, called Jordan Aratunji. And uh, if you have a chance to listen to Jordan, uh, I have listened to Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puts on a He's hell of a cool, live yeah. show. That was that was some next level stuff. Next level stuff. So uh, I was really glad to see that. And, is he your favorite? Uh, definitely up there. Um, I saw uh, Ryan Veal and Elma Orchestra. Ryan Veal and Elma Orchestra are uh, uh, it's a pairing made up of um, Ryan Veal, who is an electronic artist from Derry. Uh, who's been going for for a few years now, and uh, Owen O'Callaghan, who used to go under the name Best Boy Grip, who is mostly keys based. Uh, there was a string section, but they have put together this uh, collaboration called Borders, uh, which is a really um, politically relevant collaboration, given you know what's happening in the world at the minute, you know, yeah. and it's beautiful. So it's 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 a light and sound. Uh, oh, cool. performance you know so it's there's, there's a real there's a lovely multimedia side to it uh, but you can pick that album up now it's come yep. from from local local label quiet arch um who are pretty much the, the the most significant i guess local label in, in northern ireland at the minute probably but uh, well worth picking that up so that's ryan Vale and Helm okay. orchestra with borders and uh keep an eye out for jordan atatunji who's live performance was just stellar so yeah Stendhal was Stendhal, Stendhal was fantastic um, since then I've had uh, a stag do for a buddy down in Dublin and I think I'm still feeling the effect so if I'm mincing my words this evening that's why what about you Alan? but the best part of it all is that you're up to date on your I, for the first time in months, months in months am I up to date <laughs> and last night I had the pleasure of reading something that wasn't on my pull list that's been sitting to be read for ages I've still got some of your trade paperbacks sitting to read as well yeah. Uh, some of your Chernobyl stuff and whatnot. Oh yes, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, but yeah, so I'm finally, finally up to date. I read, I read something today that I bought yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> this must be some sort of a record for you um, in the last few months. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean things with us have been great. The last big month, uh, the last month's been kind of a big one for us. Yeah. Um, with a with a mad couple of days, so we did because we. We were fortunate enough to be nominated for uh, Best Independent Bookstore at the Northern Ireland Independent Retail Awards. Um, we still don't know who put us forward for this because it was a customer that had to put you forward and then right. the independent panel judged it. Um, I've asked every regular that's come into the store since, but no one's uh, admitting to it. So, if so you someone's do, lying to you. So if you do listen to this, <laughs> please do let me know just so I can thank you. But um, yeah, we could put forward for that. There was a wee uh, awards doing the Crown Plaza and we were fortunate enough to win it. Um, so Coffin Heroes is best independent bookstore in Northern Ireland for 2019. That's so, fantastic and well deserved. Yeah, yeah well I mean deserved. it's yeah. it's you know you'd, you'd be lying if you didn't say you know it felt good to win obviously and it's it's something that brings hopefully more attention to the store. Um, there's a wee write up coming up Neil Sir Tatler, the Belfast Telegraph were covering it. So if, anything that brings more people into the store and hopefully brings more people to see what we enjoy doing and therefore hopefully they enjoy the store. Um, so we had that then a couple That's of days a, I mean it's a testament to the work that you and Vicky have put in yeah I mean yeah, I like to think so I mean I like to think that our passion really comes through and that's that's the key in our, our love for the medium and you know wanting to create a you know the best possible space so um, so yeah so that was really satisfying and then we were finally able to properly announce a couple of days later something we've known about for months what's that Alan? what is that? Do, you do, know, we, need a, do we need a drum roll? 
yes, we were able to announce our first ever um, major uh, signing event at the store. Whoa. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. I made sure to say the word major there. <laughs> you still disagreeing. Whoa. We are delighted to no, announce no, our fine. second ever um, major <laughs> signing at the store. Um, yeah, so we, we've been working on something behind the scenes for a long time. Um, negotiating with one of DC's top artists who is now going to come and do a signing event with us. And a wee Q&A session with us in, uh, at the end of October. Uh, Clay Mann. Uh, you might know him mostly from Heroes in Crisis. It's already been announced he'll be doing the Batman Catwoman 12-issue miniseries next year with Tom Keane. Uh, he's someone that Tom Keane referred to actually as, for his money, the best artist working in the business today. Um, he's worked on Marvel stuff for years. He's done the X-Men. He's done Thor. He's done Gambit. He's done... Uh, he did a lot of Rebirth Superman. Um, he did my personal favourite issue of the Tom Keane Rebirth era, Double Date. Where, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. I'd agree where, with you that. Yeah. Which is just yep. one of the reasons you love comics. You know, it's literally Bruce and Selena, Clark and Lois go to the fair and they have to dress up as each other to get into it because you have to be dressed up in a superhero outfit. But they're actually casually dressed for the night, but they have their suits in the car. <laughs> so Bruce dresses up as Superman. Uh, Selena dresses up as Lois Lane. Oh, cool. um, Clark dresses up as Batman and still wears glasses over the cowl. <laughs> and then um, Lois dresses, Lois dresses Catwoman. up Catwoman. So brilliant issue. And, you know, Clay Mann was the artist on that. What's, uh, what number is that? It's number 36. Um, I will f- happily fire you my uh, cool. Rebirth we'll Deluxe that, Edition. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it was, It's a fantastic issue because it's sort of... Uh, you have Bruce bouncing off Selena as a sounding board and Clark bouncing off Lois. And they're yeah. kind of... And it's, it's before the the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and and sort of Bruce is sort of kind of revealing to Selena what, she, what he really thinks of Superman. Or Clark and vice versa. Yeah, you know, yeah. and of course they come to the conclusion that they both admire each other and can measure up to each other. other. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it, it gets lovely. <laughs> like it's I remember great. one yeah. specific part in it, which sort of shows their relationships a little bit. They go through the tunnel of love at the fair, and uh, Clark and Lois come out holding hands. You know, going, "Oh, that was nice." <laughs> And then, like, there's a gap, and then Bruce and Selena come out, and Selena's like straddling Bruce on top of her, and they're all paying attention to everything. But the whole way through the issue as well, there's this whole little theme of if Superman was to throw a baseball, could Batman hit it? It's just, it's just brilliant issue. Um, but yes, we're um, you know the the artist, as I say, Clayman, we're um, we're exceptionally looking forward to him coming over. It's What's going to be October twenty fifth. It is, I'm going to, this is um, Thursday, the, uh, today, I can't even know the date, uh, Thursday the 5th of September we're recording, so hopefully this will be put out on the Friday the 6th. We're hoping to put all the concrete announcements out in the next week for times. Um, we're going to be doing a Q&A session first, which will be a ticketed event. Then we're going to be doing a free signing after that for at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, all selfies are free, all signatures are free. Um, it's just going to be a really great day, I think. And... Clay's someone who hasn't actually done signings outside of the States. So this is this is a pretty, oh, this pretty is big coup for us. Cool. Um, so really, really looking forward to that, yeah. Uh, that's going to be Friday, October 25th, which segues us nicely into October 26th, which will be Halloween Comic Fest. Um, so What are you doing that day, Alan? Uh, I'll be at London Comic Con <laughs> that day. Um, what are you doing that day, Ronnie? Uh, <laughs> probably in coffee and heroes making coffee okay I'll sell the coffee yeah. you make the coffee <laughs> you, know, you, you know I love you guys yeah. um, 
Yeah, so Halloween Comic Fest, so it's sort of affectionately known as Free Comic Book Day 2. Obviously, Free Comic Book Day in May and October, you always have Halloween Comic Fest, which is where the titles that are given away free out in comic stores, you know, to try and encourage new readers and reward long-term readers. But they have a bit more of a horror tinge, so there'll be things like, you know, Deceased will be there. You'll have, you know, Ghost Rider. You'll, you'll have things with a bit more of a horror tinge to them. We'll have loads of stuff on the day being given out for free with, you know, any purchase. Um, I feel really sorry for Keith though because he's basically going to be looking after the store twice this year. One was Free Comic Book Day, the second one is Halloween Comic Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Vicky and I'll he's be got it covered. And what was your busiest day this year, Alan? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, last Wednesday. Okay, fair enough. Okay, all right. Um, in terms of sales, Keith still holds the record, but we'll, we'll not talk about that too much. I don't even work there. Um, but yeah, so as I said, that's Halloween Comic Fest, which is October 26th. The day after the Clayman signing, and uh, that's going to lead us into actually talking about some comics. Um, All right. We have the Halloween Comic Fest stuff at the start, which leads to the indie stuff, which of course will be curated in this case by Mr. Indy. Kieran! <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss, miss Kieran, so hopefully he can return to our lovely podcast soon. Um, yeah, so we're going to start off with some lovely indie books. I think we started with indie last time. Did we? I think so. I, c- I could be wrong. It feels like a long, long time ago. Mm. But, um, I can yeah, still remember when. So. <laughs> As ever, yes. you start off with Image, which it almost seems a bit of a misnomer calling them indie these days. Yeah, definitely. Because the wealth of talent. And this is just yeah. unbelievable and I was we were looking it up um, I think past couple of months it's been there's been a lot of stuff that's been a couple of number ones here and there but then it's mostly been ongoing stuff but I think this month uh, which is November releases. releases in November yeah, yeah um, there's a lot of number ones a lot of stuff to jump in on not just with Image but a lot of uh, Dark Horse and all the other indie stuff but um yeah, we'll start off with uh, Family Tree, number one, uh, written by Jeff Lemire, art and the cover by Phil Hester, Ryan Cody, and Eric Gapster. This immediately caught my attention because if you read the blurb, um, if you like the plot twists and cliffhangers of Gideon Falls and the family ties of Farmhand. Oh, Farmhand. You'll love Family Tree. There's so, two great titles right there. I don't know if yeah. I even need to say any more of that. Um, Gideon Falls is... I don't know if it's like a low-key title. I don't know. I know like a couple of people are on it that pretty, I talk about. It does pretty well for us in full lists and it, it sells well in trades. It's and really trades. fantastic. Yeah, it's sort of rural horror. So it is. And then, um, well, whenever you're talking about rural horror, that's where Farmhand comes in. Yeah. It's very much rural horror. Well, Farmhand would have a little bit more of a tinge of humour to it. Gideon Falls yeah. is very yeah. straightforward, okay. right. yeah. exorcist-style sort of seriousness. But also worth mentioning as well, just when you're saying Jeff Lemire writing this, he's writing a great title at the moment called Ascender, which yeah, I'm really, really digging as well. Seems to be all over the show, all yeah. and will be all over this podcast, I assume. Yeah, Jeff Lemire's one of those guys that um, when it comes to indie stuff, I'll always check his new stuff out. Yeah. Really interesting mind. Sweet Tooth is a great title as well. Um, the art's lovely. Phil yeah, Hester. Phil Hester. So last thing I read he did was an Aftershock title called uh, Shipwreck, right. which was pretty good. Um, so yeah, that, that, yeah that was so good. there's a lot of preview arts in that one it seems to be the big the big release I think for uh, November um, well I or is it I, I disagree 
I would say it's second at best due to nah it's first in the book so <laughs> alphabetical so one that I uh, pulled out is Undiscovered Country number one by uh, Charles Soule and Scott Snyder and that would sort of lead me to believe that maybe Scott Snyder's going to be in the first three or four and then Charles Soule's going to take over did uh, Ian Rogan let you have that one did he uh, I think he did <laughs> didn't he did he yeah, uh, yeah. I let you have it. Yeah, yeah, I let you have it. Um, so, so Scott Snyder, obviously Justice League, Batman, um, Metal. I mean, is, yeah. the, the thing that's worth mentioning for Snyder at this point is he has a healthy background in indie. Mm. You know, between American Vampire, Witches, After Death, Severed. I mean, obviously he's kind of known these days as Mr. DC and Mr. Batman, but mm. he has a healthy background in indie stuff. And that's interesting because Charles Soule is kind of Mr. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and humans, Daredevil, Return of Wolverine. Coached him from DC. He, yeah. he did, um, did a curse, curse, curse Words as well, that was an image title. Yeah. So I think all these. That's yeah. kind of the beauty of all these creators. They do. You could go, okay, yeah. they're Mr. I work for yeah, Marvel, well, DC, that's, but that's then yeah. I think they always have one. At least like one, one in the background, yeah. yeah, in like an image title or. Aftershock or whatever you know well and then the artist is Giuseppe Camoncoli Amazing Spider-Man Darth Vader Hellblazer so the the first issue is going to be oversized uh, the cover's fantastic because we see Mexico down there we see Canada up there and we see a big blank where America is should, looks, say, uh, looks should say as well just quickly it's an uh, oversized issue but yes. standard cover price $3.99 okay. okay so the gist of this is that uh it's set in the near future uh, and some time ago America walled itself off so I guess in some ways it's quite relevant yeah you know yeah. whenever we look at isolationism whenever we look at uh, you know building a wall the, the fucking monarchies you know talk of walls and the borders and all that other crap um, so it, it it's now an unknown nation uh, and in order to find the the cure for a virus uh, a group of individuals um enter the former US to find the cure for what, what's going to be a, 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 I guess a humanity ending pandemic yeah. um, and they've been walled off for what a good three decades or something, something along the three or four decades so the whole so place who knows what's yeah, in there yeah. who knows what's in there you know and that's you know so so they're going to struggle survive in this strange and deadly continent uh, it's described as land of the lost meets Lewis and Clark that's Lewis and Clark not Lois and Clark yeah. uh, so <laughs> Uh, Charles, 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 Soul and Scott Snyder are talking about big, wild world-building stories. So that's you know, I mean, that's something that certainly those of us around this table are really taken by the world-building stuff. Oh, for me, Lazarus, or for you know, so um, it's going to be a, a twist-filled trek across a landscape that's alien and mysterious and full of adventure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect. I mean, is, are, are we looking at one of my favourite Xenozoic tales, which is all about you know dinosaurs and mm. you know all of that? Whenever he says "Land of the Lost," I'm sort of that's sort yeah, of twigging me a wee bit. You know, there's um, in the the wee blur, not the blurb at the bottom, but the if you like part, it's like a storytelling of barrier, which I've never read, but. It also mentions "We Stand on Guard," which is a fantastic. Well, those are fantastic. Both brand table. Oh, Never read Barrier though. I'm looking. Barrier, I think I might pick that up. It also soon. says in the world bidding adventure of Manifest Destiny. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's so, a lot of luck going well, on. There's there. a lot to yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to this. You know. Uh, and again, a perfect example of following talent. I mean, the story itself would draw you in anyway. I think, but 
sort of the two pairs of hands it's in Charles yeah. Soule as you say did great work on Daredevil um, did great work on was it X-Men Blue is that Charles Soule no was that Blue, was Col- Blue was Colin Bunn was it or? it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and Charles Soule definitely did something with that Astonishing Ooh, X-Men there we are yes Astonishing yeah. X-Men he did which was the return of uh, Xavier and it's worth it's worth pointing out that uh, obviously I haven't exactly professed to be a great fan of Snyder mm-hmm. um, I mean I've read Metal which, which will change in an upcoming podcast but uh, I recently read something that certainly has changed my mind regarding a portion of his work so the club number six Definitely, but oh, yeah. also interesting about this as well. You were saying that it looks like Snyder will sort of write the first couple, and then Charles will write the next couple. On in the New Fifty Two, uh, Scott Snyder relaunched Swamp Thing, and he did the first twenty one issues, and then Charles Soule took over issue twenty two. Oh, really? And wrote to issue forty, and it felt like one run. So I think these two guys will work well together. They've got a sort of similar voice. No, um, no. I mean, it's interesting. They're talking here about. Uh, whether we're talking about the giant terrestrial fish monsters of the coast or the lurking techno zombies of the northwest so it looks like we're going for a whole run of fun stuff here um beautiful in-seal adventure in insane adventures in the sealed off us um all right i'm i'm totally down for this yeah totally down for this it's cool. interesting it doesn't seem to state how long it's going to be i mean something like that definitely has legs so i would yeah. be surprised to see that it's a new ongoing series. Have a good, a good uh, long run planned. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So next up, we have yet another number one, and it's called Heart Attack. And was this somebody's pick? Um, I think possibly. I think he might have this on the board. Um, again, if you're trusting the little recommendations, you will like this. If you like, then this would be right up my alley because it yeah. says, <laughs> "If you like Deadly Class, yes, I do." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one? That's Run- all I gotta Run- say. About Runaways. That. Um, yeah. So this one is written by Sean Kittleson and Eric Zawadzki does the art with Michael Garland. Uh, superpowers and teenage romance collide in the new Skybound original. Um, gene therapy has saved Americans from disease, only to give birth to variants. People with powers so unique, the government denies their human rights, but a rebellion has begun. Charlie North is on the run from the police when he crosses paths with Jill Kearney. Incident attraction becomes mass destruction when they unlock powers neither knew they had. Now the question isn't how to use them, but how far they're willing to go. Interesting as well, noting that's a 40-page oversized issue one yeah, as well. Yeah, a lot Again. of oversized. That's Skybound as well, isn't it? Well, Skybound yeah. is Kirkland Image, yeah. imprint, isn't it? Um, um, yeah, looks the quite intrigued by the art, to be fair. Um, kind of like a nightclub scene. Um, yeah, looks looks interesting, I have to say. Um, and then, but this the next one is one that Alan has picked. Yeah, I put this uh, put this up on the board myself. Um, I just I love plays on titles as well, like just Philadelphia. I think to myself, <laughs> how has no one ever done that before? <laughs> Seems so obvious. But uh, so this is a new series premiere as well, uh, brand new number one. Writer is Rodney Barnes. The artist is Jason Sean Alexander, who's primarily known at the moment for being one of the main Spawn artists. Um, now for this, I, I just love sort of dark horror noir. I just I love that genre in comics. I think it works so yeah. so well. Um, so for this one again, it's saying if you like the likes of Gideon Falls, you'll like this. 
So a little blurb for it is, when a small-town beat cop comes home to bury his murdered father, the revered Philadelphia detective James Sangster Sr., he begins to unravel a mystery that leads him down a path of horrors that will shake his beliefs to their core. The city that was once the symbol of liberty and freedom has fallen prey to corruption, poverty, unemployment, brutality, and vampires. Yeah, so uh, I'm in with this. I think the preview pages look wonderful for this. Um, you yes. were saying you had a wee bit of a... Amazing. And you yeah. were saying you had a wee bit of a connection to this book. Well, I don't want to go too far, but yes, I am working on a book with Greg Tumbarello, who is the editor on this book. So, oh. Yeah, so tell you more on that soon. Um, <laughs> and that's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh my... It just looks gorgeous, yeah, doesn't it? Dark and grimy yeah. and beautiful. I think Philadelphia is has been used before, but I right. think it's been used about um, uh, like the crime about the crime. I think it was used on a newspaper article oh, okay. at some point, but I think it's some sort of reaction to that. Um, yeah, it looks looks really really good. And definitely one to pick up. And moving on, it's another number one, and it's another oversized number yeah. one, forty-eight pages. Should we check? Was Philadelphia? Just 32, 32 standard 32 there <laughs> um, but this one was another one of Vicky's picks wasn't it yeah it yeah. Uh, looks very sort of Marvel for colour sort of bit of a love letter to the comics industry um, in fact it even says that in the it calls it a comedic yet heartfelt love letter to the comics medium um, so the main thing is like if you like likes of Stranger Things for example or Plutona which was uh, a cool little Jeff Lemire five issue miniseries ah. as well um, the cover reminds me of Godlands. Have you ever read read yeah. that? Yeah, it looks kind of similar. It, it reminds me of um, Chip Kid did covers for Convergence. Oh. That's what it reminds me of. It's like the dot sort of yeah. effect, that four color thing. But this is written by Kurt Perez and Tony Perez, I presume brothers. Um, art by Alex Diotto and D. Kniff. Um, but yeah, double size first issue. Elon is a latchy, latchkey kid who spends his days alone reading comic books until his favorite superhero Olympian comes crashing off the page and into reality. But as he nurses his wounded and delirious hero back to health, he discovers Olympian isn't the only thing that came through. Something evil followed him. A comedic yet heartfelt love letter to the comics medium, Olympia is also a meditation on hope and loss um, conceived by Kurt Perez and his father. There you go. Yeah. Tony Perez, while Tony was undergoing treatment for cancer, so. Um, quite a bleak backstory yeah, for how it came about but, um, but if you read there's a preview page and it kind of sounds like Keith um, and it's it obviously is a love letter yeah. to comics yeah. but he's like cliffhangers man I tell you they're going to be the death of me gonna have <laughs> to <laughs> I'll let you read Sorry. that part as gonna a retailer I shouldn't um, say the next one gonna have to skip lunch for like a week to afford the next issue <laughs> oh well like, it's worth yeah. <laughs> Yeah, looks looks really really good. Like I love I love retro stuff like that, so I think I'll I'll be picking that one up. Yeah, there was yeah. a there was a great book that Mark I think it was Mark Miller did. Uh, it was Mark Miller. Um, it was back in two thousand nine. It was called Marvel nineteen eighty five. Yeah, yeah, I've read that. It was, uh, it was a good. six issue limited series. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it with uh, I can't remember who he did it with, but it was um, about this kid a latchkey kid you know what I mean and he uh, there was some sort of a, I don't know if it was a the real our universe crossed over with the Marvel universe in some way and mm -hmm. the heroes from Secret Wars in 1985 started arriving and 
Oh, okay. Into word. the modern world. Yeah, yeah. Which, I say it was written by Mark Miller, and it very much had that same sort of feel about it. it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ten. Ten years. Ten years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I mean, so, as you say, what was great about this book so far was lots of number ones for singles. But yeah. There's a ton of great number ones for trades as well. And there's one Keith. Um, Keith's been following. Oh yeah, I think you've been following it as well, yeah, haven't you? I've Excellent. Been reading and collecting it as well. Um, by Brian Thomas and Carrie Randolph. Um, so it's it's a I guess some a, a modern fantasy, urban fantasy kind of dealio, you know. Um, my favorite. Uh, very much tied into. <laughs> I the, thought that was your new favorite genre after reading <laughs> the magic yeah, order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so I guess this. Uh, Trade Peter Wright collects excellence once to six, follows Spencer Deals. He's born into this uh this, this magical uh group or organization. Mm-hmm. And uh it, it it's very much the urban fantasy thing. It's very much involved with the black experience of life. Um, you know, he's supposed to follow in his father's footsteps but uh but doesn't necessarily agree with the organization and the system that they're following and the rules that they have to follow as they try and protect normal people who are pivotal in history or pivotal in, in, in shaping history so uh that's pretty cool it's yeah. very very cool four so issues in yeah. so far i think it's been great and have you noticed like uh powers of 10 how's yeah, it, it has, has its, its own, own language language yeah i wonder uh, if they're the same language and they've been secretly sort of no they're definitely not <laughs> <laughs> ruining my cool theory straight away um brings us on to an original graphic uh, one of your choices i believe Robert. yeah um so this one's called well, before before we go into it, the thing I love about the previous book, although I find this without looking at the previous book, but the best part is, you know, go into the store and look at the book because you will find something like magic in it. Yeah. Um, you might just find you might find this. You might find like a number one you really want. Like um, you might find a cool DC book, a new creator you don't know. But um, with this one, I was going through. Alan was like, or everyone was like can you make your previous picks <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like yeah 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 I'll sort of right out um, so then I had to do obviously you guys had picked so I was like right okay what am I going to do here um, so I was looking through previews online there and then just came across this and I was like that looks really cool um, so it's called Le Voz de Mayo uh, but it's M dot A dot Y O and Mayo stands for Mexican oh. American Yaki and others. others yeah very good obviously been working on that um, <laughs> this actually started off as a Kickstarter believe it or not um, back in 2018 um, they launched a Kickstarter for number one and then here we are with a volume one original graphic novel um, it's based on the oral history of Ramon Hiarige, an orphan and World War II veteran who co-founded the Eponymous Mayo organization, which successfully lobbied the Tucson City Council to improve living and working conditions for the members of the Pasca Yaki tribe, paving the way for their federal recognition. This is a true story. Yep. And then, meanwhile, Ramon's life suffers as he fo- as his focus was pulled from his family to the wider community, from domesticity to the adrenaline of the campaign. Sounds fantastic mm-hmm. and something you rarely see in comics. And I was just, um, if you get a chance, type it into Google and look at their Kickstarter campaign because the art is, like, phenomenal. I don't really know how to describe that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll... Yeah. 
just like, just look it up. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not going to work on podcasts. Nearly like like this that sort of uh, uh, old school Russian propaganda style. Or yeah, yeah it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 colors are fantastic too. Um, creative team is Henry Barajas and he is the great grandson yeah. of of Ramon Barigi, aka Tato Rambo. Yeah. Um, this looks fantastic. I've never heard of the books they mention in the blurb. Um, it's like if you like historical, social, politically relevant graphic novels like March and American Born Chinese, you'll love this. Um, I kind of like the... There's a lot of stuff like this. Um, Six Days recently came out. I really like that. That was a Vertigo title about World War Two. Yeah, this looks really, really good. Can't Cannot wait to read it. So yeah, after that we have Postal Deliverance Volume 1, not something I've ever read, don't know about you boys. Yeah, so. I don't know, it's uh, Section 0 Volume yeah. 1 which collects the first six issues um, by Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet, I'm really enjoying that and the sort of uh, X-Files, sort of Dark Skies meets super heroic sort of vibe, it's kind of cool, so it is, uh, yeah. And then opposite page, Sharky the Bounty Hunter, so that's the Mark Miller's Simone Bianchi, um, sort of interstellar cross-galaxy bounty hunter tale, that's been a lot of fun so far, we're just waiting on one more issue for that, um, to see how that ends, but again, Miller always specializes in these five, six issue arcs. Those are both, uh, that's um, a November solicit, that's a December solicit. So, Sharky, yeah, as, as Keith says, slightly advanced solicit into December 11th, just in time for Christmas though. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That was Keith spitting to the <laughs> set. Um, and then, yeah, you're just continuing in with a lot of um, a lot of trades here. I mean, you've got a new printing of Die because we've never talked about this title before. But <laughs> did I mention I happened to get a copy of that that was signed by Kieran Gillen? And Stephanie? No, did I oh, mention that? No. no you mean you like that? We won that's on, yeah, the, on yeah, the wall yeah, right yeah, there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Okay, good, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, Die is fantastic. Die is just one. I mean, we can't talk about it enough, but yeah, if you're not on it, get on it. It's just brilliant um descender uh, this is something i'm looking forward to actually because it makes do these really nice deluxe editions sort of 10 to 12 issue deluxe editions um keith will certainly attest to sort of the saga deluxe editions yeah. and they're just really mm -hmm. nice and they're great reads but i mentioned the title earlier by jeff lemire called ascender um there was a prequel to that called descender which i've never read but for maybe the last year and a half there's only been the deluxe edition volume one <laughs> and they're now finally releasing volume two, which will uh, finish that off. But Jeff, uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen, Descender is a rip-roaring and heartfelt cosmic odyssey that pits humanity against machine and world against world to create a sprawling sci-fi epic. Oh, well. Yeah, it's, um, I'll throw my first deluxe edition. Um, I love Descender. It's a, and again, Dustin Nguyen, the art style is wonderful as well. He's, his art is gorgeous. Speaking of absolutely fantastic trades. <laughs> middle, middle West Book 2 so that's collecting 7, seven to 12. 12 of Scotty Young and Jorge Corona's Middle West so um, do you still find it hard to describe exactly what Middle yeah, West is it's uh, <laughs> it's sort of a cross country uh, travelling adventure yeah my buddy Connor actually he's not read it but he's heard it described as the Dark Tower meets the Stand meets it meets uh, something from Warner Brothers like Animaniacs uh, you know what I mean it's uh, which is which is not too far from the truth it yeah. definitely has that Stephen King Dark Tower 
it's 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 our world but not quite our world yeah just slightly to the left of our world it's a child uh, discovering their, their yeah. proper sort of uh, yeah, purpose a, in the world it's a coming of age story it's a father and son story it's a generational story um it's i mean it's it's beautifully illustrated it's just um, hard to describe it's very yeah, hard to describe i can't recommend it enough yeah <laughs> yep um it so. follows abel and uh, his companion the fox yeah um, I, I mean, mean no explanation given why there's a talking fox in this world no. but you just go with it yeah absolutely he's like a, like a, like a spirit animal um, yeah it's, it's it's so good it's so good yeah Middle West is one of those ones that you know I always slightly hesitate when I say this but it's one of those ones that we always keep on the shelves so as it sells it's ordered again mm. so if you ever do like the sound of our meandering description of Middle West <laughs> um, it should always be available in the store um yeah, um, basically getting into a lot of continuing stuff. Can't remember where we left off there. Got kind of lost. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the ongoings. Um, that Dead Eyes, I think the first issue that should be good, given that I've already read it, but it was under the name Dead Rabbit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that the legal issues have been sorted. Yeah, thank goodness for that. More deadly um, class is never a bad thing. Oh, look, there's die again. Die continues. Die farmhand. New story arc. New story arc for farmhand. So new, as well. new story arc starts uh, in November. What a what a great little blurb with for 11. farmhand. Comics best ongoing series about agricultural gone apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of another title that is uh, agriculture gone apocalyptic, but yeah, it's interesting. They've sort of um, broken it down into seasons. So they're saying this is Farmhand coming back for its third season, and it's certainly that's an idea that makes sense given you know it's set on a farm in mm. different seasons and stuff. Um, so yeah, Farmhand's another one. It's been wonderful so far. Um, there's another oh conclusion end of story. Uh, so Lazarus Risen three by uh, Greg Rucka and uh, Michael Lark. So Lazarus has recently turned to a, like a quarterly book, uh, sixty four yeah. pages. I'm not sure that it's doing it any favours. I'm not sure that it's doing Michael Lark any favours, uh, or sorry, Greg Rock any favours. I'm not sure that he has quite, and he sort of nearly admitted it in the last letters page, that it's a new format for him and he's just not quite Mastered sure it. where he's at. You so know. you've got two so far? Two so One far, and, two, yeah. uh, and the three three coming out in, in November. Um, I don't know why I don't know why they changed I, I mean they, apparently it was a, a workload thing mm-hmm. but I, geez, I can't understand how writing a 64 pages every three months is different from writing yeah, you know a regular comic book or something yeah, yeah every month you know so I, I don't know I would rather they. I think I would rather they've taken the break and got ahead of themselves you know done what yeah, Saga has yeah, done and yeah. take a year and get you know get ahead of themselves in a Kirkman like fashion and you know and then continue but it's I mean it's still it's still the top quality writing and stock top quality art it's you know I guess it's science fiction dystopian science fiction um, fantastic word building as we've talked about you know but it just the, the stop start nature of it now is just it's a wee bit off putting but I'd still highly highly recommend it but issue 3 seems to be the end of that particular story arc yeah yeah I suppose cool. almost the equivalent to 6 issues isn't it yeah no, 364 pages so it'll probably read well trade wise mm. If nothing else, um, probably for Marvel issues. You know, those small Marvel <laughs> issues. <yeah. laughs> Easy tiger. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, see a stars. Where are we at with see a stars? In November? Uh, that brings us up to issue five. End of the story end arc. See so a stars first arc. Trade won't be far behind of that. That's another one we're we're thoroughly enjoying. Uh, um, Jason Aaron, Dennis Hallam. That has been. I mean, I love the way 
I love the way I mean Jason Aaron obviously has just come at the end of a store run moment of silence yeah that's enough <laughs> so we've got King Thor coming out uh, next month I think as he comes to the end of a seven year Thor run something along those lines which include the Fantastic War of the Realms but um, this is something a wee bit different for Jason Aaron um, it's science fiction sort of thing and the, the, the description of the back is a father a son and a whole a lot, lot of space, space in between, between. Um, the first issue they become separated you know on a space journey the father being a, a hard bitten space trucker and the son not caring you know the son just wants to explore but uh, it's, the son wants to explore the father says it's not safe exactly and then uh, effectively what happens is in some way or other whenever they're separated the son becomes invulnerable you know or super powered in some way and I guess this, the father's trying to find the son Caden the son is kind of like yay <laughs> <laughs> you know? so it's really really interesting the uh, Rico Renzi's art on it is fabulous the, the colour palette is very much reminiscent of Saga yeah. and in fact some of the story content you know that family yeah. vibe is very much reminiscent of Saga so highly recommend that um, so, suffice to say Vicky yeah. is all over sales stars oh, as soon as Kate said it was like Saga she's like Ooh, do you have issue? Oh, I'll read issue one. you're in an interesting <laughs> position now you can either pick up the first three issues which I'd highly recommend just yeah. get on it or I guess this will be the end of the story arc so and trade not far behind yeah trade I think I'll behind, yeah. I read the first one there with was that last reviews podcast yeah. but I think I'll I'll wait for the trade on yeah that. great sales stars is fantastic but Jason Arnott what would you expect yeah, I think um, that's pretty much it for Image. There's a couple, obviously, like Space Bandits is finishing, Spawns 303. And there's that wonderful title, Unearth, that Earth. I swapped Keith a brand new issue from his pull list for his number one. Oh, really? I oh. thought it was great. Yeah. I really liked you it. Like I, it? I, I know you guys weren't... We, you know, it, it had to... I think we were slightly unfair I think on it, was, it maybe. Yeah, we were slightly burned out. Because we wanted us to... Yeah just to grab us but um, I enjoyed yeah. it the issue 2 was good as well um, yeah I enjoyed it I have to say yeah that's pretty much it with the uh, the image well, pretty much it but ton images, of, yeah. ton of quality images, there image is fantastic so yeah take, take your pick with that um, what's jumping out at you in Dark Horse uh, Elf Quest uh, <laughs> this is something I knew nothing about I think if you like it you will like it uh, Stargazer's Hunt 1 of 6 well, the next page already has a few pre-orders in, so it does. Oh, um, I would say so. It's a, it's a series called Hazel and Cha-Cha Save Christmas, which sounds really random, but then you go the, uh, the subtitle, Tales from the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. So Jared Way is writing the first Umbrella Academy spin-off. Um, they have the little thing at the top, the Breakout Assassins from the Netflix series. Obviously, it's, selling, or it's doing very, very well on Netflix. Um, so, yeah, this looks like it's just going to be a one-shot. Um, which is kind of follows along. They always kind of do a Hellboy Christmas special. But it's interesting. Now, it's it's released in November twentieth, though, and it's yeah. not like oh, December eighteenth. Just, just to, no, no, just to enrage you more. Like yeah. Christmas, Christmas comes early. Christmas in November, kids. Yeah. What do you think? Don't talk to me. <laughs> Christmas is three days: Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. That's it. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, it's it's all December. No, it's not. What, what are we doing? There's no such thing as a birthday month. Answers <laughs> Christmas does please, not last. Please for write six to weeks. Copy the Heroes and express your disgust at lack well, it's of interesting Christmas here. Just, just to have a little segue here. For Keith, it's three days. For Roddy, it's a month. For me, it's probably a good ten days. Yeah. I'd say. 
sort of six, yeah, like, six like, seven I'm, days I'm late. Not, not I'm not getting excited about it in November, but I mean, once December first hits, no, so we know you're getting excited about it in September. We can see the glow. But yeah, um, there's a lot of there's the Black Hammer corner, Jeff Lemire again, and there's the Magnolia corner. This this time we go into Witchfinder. Uh, so that's a mini series one of five. There's also interesting looking one called Crone one of five. I think the art looks really really good on that. It looks a bit Witcher esque, I would say. Um, Lord of the Ringish. Yeah, um, from Burnout's creator Dennis Culver and acclaimed artist Justin Greenwood, the sword savior and champion of men, once known as Bloody Bliss, is now nothing more than a reclusive old crone. Excuse me, does she have the strength to answer the call for one last adventure? Now, I'm on board with this for one reason, and that's because recently Once in Future introduced us to a kick-ass granny. Yeah, yeah. This seems very similar, except <laughs> in the fantasy world rather than sort of in the real world yeah. with fantasy elements. Clearly, they just need to bring but back they... Supergram. <laughs> I think the art in this looks great. Yeah, it um, really does. It does have a bit of an epic sort of Lord of the Ringish type feel to it, I would say. But yeah, um, there's a lot. There's ongoing. There's a lot of stuff finishing, like Berserker Unbound. Uh, no one left to fight. Then there's Fight Club, American Gods, Crowley, Ether. Yeah, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on in Dark Horse. Tommy Gun Wizards is finishing. Oh, the first yeah. issue of that. <laughs> Picked up the first issue. Yeah, yeah really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. the first issue that was wonderful. You know uh, how much I like urban fantasy, so. Um, I don't even know if it's urban fantasy. It's no. it's well for a start, it's, it's prohibition era. For it's a start, definitely urban fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gangster fantasy. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gang- yeah. Well, in that case, yeah. I mean, yeah. considering yeah. how much you enjoyed the Magic Order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the first issue that was great. But it is interesting with Dark Horse. They do seem to do a lot of four issue miniseries. But uh, yeah. the gist of Tommy Gun Wizards is that there's this, uh, I guess, this drug called Lick. Um, Lick uh, seems to imbue people with magical powers or accentuates magical powers as a drug for wizards you know so mm-hmm. uh, it looks like I mean the the, the the story's still forming but it looks like that's a large part of what prohibition is against oh, rather right. than against okay. alcohol it's against Lick and Al Capone is a gangster trading in Lick and Elliot Ness is trying yeah. to stop him. And Elliot cool. Ness is trying to stop him. Untouchables so, is one of the yeah, yeah, And the Untouchables so, are very much... Yeah. So it yeah, throws uh, in a little bit of sort of, you know, real characters, so to speak, or ca- well-known characters, but yeah. throws them into a unique situation. Yeah, uh, cool. Um, Highly recommend that. That was, yeah, pretty great so far. Be interesting to see what happens here. Yes, interesting Aliens. indeed. Did you see what happened? Bran Woods has been, been cancelled. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what the story behind that was? What, what is the so Bram Wood is just they basically cancelled all his aliens titles right um, now considering he was writing Alien Resistance everything everything. he wrote Alien Rescue there was one coming out called Colonial Marines Rising Threat do you know the story behind it at all or I, I just saw uh, a headline he, for it and I, I think it's a Me Too thing yes yeah. I think he was accused a long time ago but then allegations have resurfaced I yeah. don't because it says really they've know, cut ties with them completely it's not yeah. just like you're not writing aliens anymore it's they're not going to be working on anything with them I think it's a um, shame because um, oh that's harsh Robert Carey the artist who did Resistance yeah he had a signing that got cancelled too 
which was very unfortunate. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know. He's, I think he's he's done done for comics at yeah, this point. Yeah, so it looks like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's yeah, like, I mean, yeah. probably don't need to get into it. Yeah. You just if you you can look it up if you want. But yeah, it looks like he's a creep. He's done. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, we. I'm sure we can move on. <laughs> there goes my recommending of massive, uh, my recommending of DMZ. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a shame. Like, I mean, I already, yeah, already can't recommend Superman American Alien anymore these days. Right? So. Um, so for IDW, it's a big month. Um, oh, settling people. The well, 80s kid is about to go nuts. Well, to be fair, um, Turtles. It was it was always GI Joe. And Transformers for me, Turtles were distant third. Yeah, but they were still a third. Yep. So you never forget your third. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the uh, IDW series of TMNT reaches one hundred. Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman, of course, artists Dave Wachter and Matthias Santolucci, Santoluco. Um, things have never been worse for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their allies, but there's still one desperate gambit to try if the family can come together in time. Will it be worth the cost? Over eight years of TN or TMNT storytelling have led to this game-changing moment. 48 pages, $7.99. Co-curators Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman reunite for a stunning cover. Shocking twists, monumental story arc conclusion... I hope that oh, yeah. reads something similar to Justice League be... 25 in that so Justice League 25 um, was seen as a quote landmark issue quarter century but mm -hmm. the first half of it wrapped up the story that led to that but the second half of it set up the rest of the story okay. this seems to be yeah. saying like the epic conclusion you know so are you going to be lost reading that if you haven't read yeah. anything before it I would, I would say so but there's a well the next page there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Road to 100 which is a 16 page uh, recap. recap of the entire That's series unusual. detailing all of the moments of AEW's TMT history please inquire <laughs> 16 whole pages there you go get us all that Road to 100 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 100 well, you, you don't no, need the first like, 99 issues maybe people. it could be like you just a, need this 16 page recap could be like a retailer thing couldn't it like, yeah. give out, I wouldn't say give out for free, but like, well, it could be something like that. I mean, that. if you're really stuck, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first nine uh, hardcovers, deluxe hardcovers, oversized deluxe hardcovers on the next page. They're really stuck. nice editions. Yeah, really they look gorgeous, don't they? Um, yeah, so, well, if that floats your boat, you know to go for it. Um, I've never I've never read a Teenage Mutant no, Ninja Turtles comic. I've never read comic, comics no. either. Um, it's just, I think it's just one of those things you're with we were talking about G.I. Joe and Transformers before mm. they were like that's a lot like as a even if you're like a long term comic fan it's a big commitment to get into those like big yeah. big long series Usagi um, Yojimbo was 35 years old yeah written by Stan Saki for 35 years it's crazy isn't it oh. and there's a poster pack um, oh, there's, yeah. there's the best in the title that no one but me is reading Canto Canto. That's oh, I, so I think it was. Uh, I think it was McCann's previous pick, wasn't it? But I, ne I never pick, picked it but up. Not a McCann's pickup. Because I felt I wanted the graphic novel. <laughs> I'll throw in my issues if you want to read it. It's it's awesome. It's no, still, number six is the epic final yeah, chapter, so your graphic novel's yeah, coming soon. Um, it's a wonderful title, so it is. This was interesting. Look at that cover. 
That's beautiful. Artwork to be revealed soon. Mike Johnson and Kristen Bayer in uh, Star Trek Picard. Not only is the artwork to be revealed soon, but the artist is to be announced. (laughs) The cover is to be announced. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) You've got two months to make your (laughs) Star Trek comic. I'm probably going to... uh, It's a three-issue limited series. Characters Mm -hmm. introduced, secrets revealed. This tells us nothing, but the trailer for that, trailer for Picard looks fantastic. I'm really sold on the show. Yeah. Um, so there's Glow versus the Babyface. Interesting. Um, still haven't read those comics, but I really like. Actually, finished up the third series of that show. Right. Still what really, really good. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like nobody's really watching it. Um, but it's a really, really, well, really good it's show. It's a Netflix show. Yeah. Just finished season After, three. Yeah, it's gone. It's it's done. Don't expect for it. See you later. Um, then there's. Certified Cool, Rising Sun number one by Ron Mars and David Rodriguez, um, artist Martin Coccolo, um, based on the hit Simon game. <laughs> I love the way Is it's it like, I don't know. All these words of question marks. Intonation. Um, <laughs> that has to be an acronym. I have no idea what that is, but I thought the cover looks cool. Um, looks really interesting. Uh Chiyoko in the Koi clan leads a group of powerful warriors, the best each clan has to offer on a mission to save Japan from dragons and monsters. But perhaps the greatest threat she faces is not the many monsters who are ravaging the country, but her own team. Yeah, sounds cool. Um, doesn't say, just says number one. Doesn't say off what, but looks interesting. Uh, G.I. Joe, number three. Yeah, is I'm going to grab at this that. Point. Yeah, like yeah. number one is a couple of weeks C1 away. Yeah. is a board game company. Okay. Is it actually Simon? Yeah. So I was right. I'll say it with authority next it, time. Uh, it yeah. was formerly known as Cool Mini or Not, which is where the acronym Ah, is. right. So there um, Yeah, so we're on to the Transformers. It's up to number 15. And by this point, it's monthly. monthly. What did you think of Transformers 84 number zero? Did you get it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's still in a pillbox somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, not somewhere in Coffee and Heroes, but it's great. Great, really. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll let you know about that. Okay. Um, there's a nice looking Transformers. The short best part box. is there's even a lovely little GI Joe number one preview mini oh, comic in his box for free for him. But you know, I'll be in tomorrow. <laughs> I will coincidentally I was planning on coming in um, shockwave yeah. on the combat yeah, Transformers you say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think we'll just there's the Marvel Star Wars Adventure Disney Corner if you like it go, please look at the comics there's one Keith wants to talk about Cobra Kai the Karate Kid Saga continues number two of a four issue series looking at the Karate Kid saga in a whole new light retelling it through the eyes of Johnny Lawrence two time All Valley Tournament champion the bad guy <laughs> you still have watched Cobra well. Kai <laughs> Cobra Kai is fantastic says the new kid continues to make moves in Johnny's girls and takes the rivalry to a new level with a lowdown prank in the Halloween dance well Johnny we all remember what that was on the beach oh yeah and then yeah, yeah the Halloween dance where yeah. I'm dressed up but yeah, yeah absolutely great fantastic <laughs> Little glint uh, appears in Keith's eye every yeah. time we. Uh, you still haven't so, watched the series, have you? No. Just do it. That's the best series you haven't watched yet. Yeah. All your boys and all your flashes and all your. Just <laughs> get it done. Well, speaking That's of. Fair enough. Speaking of awesome stuff, um, two little titles here just to uh, throw a bit of love to. Road of Bones, both Roddy and I read. Um, 
This one it was... ended too quickly for me. I wanted that to be like a good 12 issues, yeah. but it was still really, really there good. There was so much despair yeah. and hopelessness to it that I don't think you could have dragged it yeah. on. Like, <laughs> I've said to people about this title that it's really, really great, but don't expect to read it and feel good. Yeah. Um, so it's basically the story of a couple of prisoners who are stuck in the Siberian Gulag. Um, it's essentially hell on earth, but they managed to get out, but the problem is where are they running where to they go, yeah. you know and there's three of them that they're, they're trying to survive the reason I want to spotlight these two titles is because again anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm a big fan of a, a series called Sync and Road of Bones was the artist of Sync Alex Cormack but what came out last uh, last week was this series called Mountainhead uh, the writer John Lees is the writer of Sync that first issue was bloody incredible and we will be talking about it more in a reviews oh, really? podcast yeah. upcoming it's uh, also not in my box so. not <laughs> what I expected at all but absolutely wonderful yeah. um, so it's as far as issue 4 by November but cool. um, brilliant brilliant title um, um, so yeah just throw a bit of love out there yeah I'm really looking forward to that one um, the crew is uh, Tim Seeley's got his chance at a crew Christmas story the crew hark the heralds not too sure how i feel about that but well um, i mean it has sure. the tagline of the crew knows who's been naughty yeah um but I'm, I li- I'm I guessing like, everybody goes after i like tim seeley um but um tim seeley's coming up they can a wee do, bit later and something just, else you might be interested in it's kind of like you don't have to keep milking that crew thing it's what's um, weird about the crew is right so the crew is one of my personal favorite graphic novels ever it's actually the first graphic novel I ever bought and I still have that beat up copy but it it came across for all its supernatural elements as such a personal story yeah and it has just been bastardized and stretched out beyond belief just just let it die please just let it die first graphic was perfect leave it at that everything else is the first movie was perfect yeah leave it at that yeah um this one looks interesting. British Ice. Yeah, I thought that too. Um, this is obviously advanced solicit for January 2020, but um, just read you the blurb. Uh, working for the British High Commission, Harrison Fleet is posted to a remote Arctic island, which is still inexplicably under British rule. As he struggles to understand why and what interests he is protecting, Harrison learns just how much of the land and his community lies in the shadow cast by the outpost finder. Caught between hostile locals, the British government, and an unforgiving physical environment, he begins dragging dark secrets into the light, unaware of the tragic repercussions they will cause, and help is very, very far away. Part noir, part historical mystery. Uh, British Ice explores the consequences of colonialism and the legacy of the empire. Sign me up to that. Yeah, I, I think so. Stuff. Yeah, that Lovely looks cover yeah. as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Seek, out, seek out that cover. What is awesome. it about you and I, Roddy, and a, a love for all things creepy and arctic yeah yeah well any, anything that sticks it to the empire like we're we're post-colonialism i'm just glad you read the character's name correctly there because word association to me would have had that second line as the character called harrison ford yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oops. uh yeah i think that's that's all our idw stuff so i think we're into the best of the rest unfortunately um Anything you guys want to spotlight? I know I've took. No, IDW was pretty hefty actually. This good stuff in there. Yeah, there's there's uh, dynamite stuff. You know, you know what you're getting. Uh, Like there's some good dynamite stuff. I'm just I'm not seeing it just at the moment. 
There's some kiss stuff. I feel like up. it's always, it's always good to a person that reads it, but I do not have the, oh, the sort of fandom of it. Dynamite, you know? like, Dynamite did the Project Superpower stuff, which is what this Black Terror stuff's coming out of. Um, they still have Death Defying... Death Defying uh, Devil, Devil, Black Terror. Um, Project Superpower they recently rebooted, which was a wee bit disappointing. Um, and what they've done is they've taken a lot of characters from back in the day that, that our current heroes are best on, based on. Um, you know, like Death Defying Devil, I guess they've, they've grabbed Daredevil from that, yeah. you know, different, you know. But the Dynamite also had the Warlord of Mars properties and they John have Carter the Sh- and Shadow and Red Sonia. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. But so. come on, I mean, for Black Terror, look at that tagline The Black Terror faces his most dangerous foe yet. Hippies. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and Dynamite, Dyna- well, Dynamite, Dynamite sort of was built out of Dynamic Forces, wasn't it? Which was the company that did all the sign stuff yeah. and all the that you used to see on QVC back in the nineties. To be honest, the only thing that really sticks out to me, but this is more of an expensive collector's thing. Mm-hmm. But the obviously the boys is very hot at the moment. You know, the yeah. TV show's been very well received. TV show was fantastic. It was it, yeah, Ronnie, yeah. Yeah, it, fantastic. It was a. A wonderful adaptation. I mean, it is very different to the books, but they still treated the I books with was, a lot of respect, yeah. and they made it their own, and it was and it was excellent. But they're doing a lot of re-releases at the moment of the books, but they're doing these new editions. Um, they're soliciting the first three here, uh, which are all going to come out on twenty seventh of November. Now again, I stress this is more if you're a, a proper collector, but they're doing signed and remarked editions of the boys, where Derek Robertson, who drew the boys. We'll do an original sketch on the cover and sign it. Uh, they're called Signed and Remark Covers. So they are um, 14 issues in each comic. They do come out at $90, which is probably going to be around the £80 mark. Um, but again, they'll come with original art. Orig- well, if the world keeps going the way it is, $90 yeah. will be £90. But at the moment, it's probably about £80. The pound uh, is stabilised today, apparently. <laughs> Isn't it funny that whenever, whenever the British Prime <laughs> yeah. Minister yeah. gets beat in yeah. a vote, the pound stabilises. <laughs> topical, topical. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I say, it's just obviously a lot of people who listen to this podcast, they certainly collect lots of single issues with us, collect trades with us. But just in case there was a certain thing that you really liked, getting a really nice edition, we'd like to point yeah. that out. And as I say, these omnibuses will be 14 issues each time. But just there's a little preview there of a class uh, picture Derek Robertson's drawn of Butcher. Um, I might actually get those editions myself. I have to say. Um, so you've watched the boys. Yeah. Uh, so just whenever we were talking about Northern Irish music, the uh, there's a Lurgan band named the Bonnevilles, fantastic rockabilly oh, yeah. band, and they've been getting some great play because they appeared in the boys' soundtrack. And I believe they're going to be more significant even on the in the second season, which has been solicited for oh, really? 2020. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. Cool. Um, so, speaking of number ones, Boom and Imprint Archaea has a good few here. Uh, so there's the Magicians number one. Um, looks pretty cool. Um, yeah, looks interesting. Magicians uh, looks a bit uh, urban fantasy, urban magic. Um, Lev Grossman returns to Boom for an all-new story in the world of the magicians with Lila Sturgis and artist P.S. Beck that features the first appearance of the next generation of heroes and villains. Um, then there's another title which may interest some because it's written well, by Matt Kent. This definitely interests me for two reasons. One, Matt Kent, who is, is a great writer, but... <laughs> 
It, uh, it's almost like this was written for us because the little blurb at the end says, this is a uh, for fans of Die, Middle West and Fables. <laughs> <laughs> ah, bugger. <laughs> Two out of three for me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that looks that looks pretty cool. That does look interesting. Yeah. Um, from Narnia to Harry Potter, we've seen our hero leave the real world for a fantasy world. But in Ansel's world of monsters and magic, uh, he's haunted by visions of our world with tailored suits of modern technology. Ansel embarks on his quest to find the mysterious folklords, hoping they can explain his visions. But looking for the folklords is punishable by death. What will he risk to find out about the world he has never truly belonged in? Yeah, it just looks really cool. Um, nice yeah, art, nice yeah. and bright. Um, it's got a bit of a European look to it, I would maybe argue. Yeah, it looks brilliant. Um, but that's like, going to be a five-issue yeah. miniseries. The art previews are fantastic. The colours, vibrant, bright, mm-hmm. really it's atmospheric. Really interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, I see, now, I've, now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what it's about. That's kind of interesting. So he's a, yeah. he's someone who lives in this world that is haunted by visions of our world. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so it looks really cool. Cool. Um, yeah, there's another number one, BB Free, um, written by Gabby Riviera, illustrated by Royal Dunlap. Um, BB Free broadcasts her underground radio show from her remote swamp community, and she has no idea she's actually the chosen one. Um, the art looks brilliant, really cool. Um, yeah, looks interesting. Um, might be one to pick up and then there's another number one uh this one's maybe for my more mature readers heartbeat number one yeah the um the writer and artist here maria lovett is currently the artist on a series called faithless uh, which is written by brian azarello and it's one of the weirdest things i've ever read i i'm currently collecting it at six issues at five into it it seems to meld cthulhu horror with the fashion world, with lesbian curiosities, with uh, it's just a weird title. It's almost like a Sounds good. Brian Azzarello's writing, and it's almost like he's trying to get all his sexual fantasies out onto a page, which is a bit weird. <laughs> um, but she's a she's a brilliant artist, though her stuff's really really cool. Um, so yeah, that's cool. a title she's going to be writing and drawing. Um, called Heartbeat number one Eva a high school outcast finds herself witness to a horrible secret the most popular boy in school enjoys the taste of blood and will kill to get his hands on it horrified and intrigued Eva lets herself be pulled into Donethian's macabre world he offers the escape she has been looking for but how much is Eva willing to betray her moral code in order to find something that gives her life meaning will she or Donethian ever find redemption a dark, violent, decadent, disturbing story in which life, death, blood, and love are inextricably intertwined. Lovely art, as I say. Yeah. Really, really good artist. Um, then it's over to Keith. Talk yeah. us, talk us I mean, through that's a big Buffy. claim. I mean, that's a big claim. It's definitely Boom's event of the year. Definitely Boom's no, Studios event. Know, oh, there's Transformers no, too. This the, year. No, not Transformers. Power Rangers. <laughs> this year we've had War of the Realms. Yes. We've had House and Powers of X. We're currently having Absolute Carnage. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, we, we're having all these big events. I'm sure there's something happening in DC as well, will there? There's been more miniseries in DC. Mm-hmm. There's been things like last villain. night. You're the villain. That's a waste of time, if you ask me. Um, which hurts me to say, but it's just a really wishy-washy term. Um, but DC's been more sort of prestige mini-format series, mm. for lack of a better term. Doomsday Clock, when it's released. Batman Damned when it was released Batman Last Night Superman Year One mm. but this this 
This is the event of the year. So it says in previews. So it says in previews. Um, so Hellmouth uh, will be number two of five issues. It's the Buffy and Angel crossover uh, by Jordi Belair, who is writing uh, Buffy and has been writing Buffy from the start. Um, have yet to see the first issue of this, but I'm really looking forward to it because both the Buffy and Angel books have been fantastic. Uh, they've been really, really strong. I know so you're up to date with a lot of well, not fully up to date with a lot of your reading this week, but have you read Buffy from this week? Not, not from this week. Just yet, Paula no. was in, and she the Buffy issue this week is the prelude. To yeah, this event. prelude to Hellmouth. Apparently, it was incredible. So. Oh wow! Okay, so Hellmouth will see Buffy and Angel, the Buffy and Angel of this particular series, um, which is like a like a 2019 reimagined version of the the Buffy verse uh, of. Um, Joss Whedon's Buffyverse uh, coming together so Buffy and Angel will be coming together finding a way to work together and stop the Hellmouth from opening in Sunnydale because obviously the Hellmouth is the thing about Sunnydale <laughs> you know um, but Angel's still trying to keep his true identity as a vampire with a soul uh, he's kind of trying to keep it secret from Buffy who is of course the Slayer <laughs> he slays vampires so uh, so yeah it's all good um, Hellmouth is the five issue miniseries and then Buffy and Angel are both tying in the, the angels of the angels the issues of Buffy and Angel are tying in as throughout throughout these these five months or whatever it is so yeah looking forward to that cool um, yeah so Buffy ongoing vamp library edition Firefly once in future number four that uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer library edition is season 11 so that's that's oh. not connected to the current uh, Buffy ah, series. Yeah, Buffy. It's series. an extension of the TV show, isn't it? Yeah, uh, there's an extension of the TV cool. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once in Future, read the first one. Absolutely awesome. First one was fantastic. Yeah, Run an Island number eight. Um, Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Power, you have have you seen the um, the foil variant? The, the foil variant is cool, but there's a Go Go Power Rangers number twenty five. There is a incentive cover that's uh, Nirvana inspired. Yeah, <laughs> Amelia Vidal. It's quite cool. Oh, brilliant! Um, there was that Power Ranger story that was out not so long ago. That uh, that was a shattered dimension or something. Shattered grid. Shattered grid. That was there. Maybe that was their event of the you year. See or was that, that last you year? You see if that know. comes out in soft cover, I'll buy it. Could be the one. But yeah. it, it's all hardcover stuff, so I'm not. Um, Looking forward to this. Strange Skies over East Berlin, number two. Can't wait to get number one. Something is killing the children, number three yeah. of five there. Number one was rather excellent. It's not well. three of five, it's an ongoing now, isn't it? Yeah, that's interesting, actually. Yeah, this must have been printed just before they announced that. But yeah, yeah. scripted by James Tilly in the fourth. This was a uh, originally announced, as Kate says, as a miniseries, but has been upgraded to an ongoing. I look forward to taking a copy of that home this evening. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's it. I will. Dark Crystal, the Age of Resistance, not the Netflix series that has just yep. started. It's a prequel to the. Dark it's a Crystal. prequel to the Dark Crystal. Yeah. That show of our childhood. Yeah, a few other bits and pieces in Boom, but nothing in terms of sort of starting points or certainly stuff that we have personally read. Uh, Roddy. Flicks through the sped through that. It I mean, just if, if, if he wasn't yeah. winging it here, I'd be surprised. Oni <laughs> uh, Press, maybe Keith wants to talk about Rick and Morty. Yeah, just know. a kind of wee bit. Uh, what have we got here? This is a blaze. 
Oh, a blaze, huh? A blaze publishing. But what's caught me eye is the Sumerian Queen of the Black Coast. Ah. Uh, Robert E. Howard's famous Sumerian continues his uncensored adventure. So obviously it's going to be a wee bit racy because it's uncensored and such. But Conan joins up with Billet and uh, Brutal Pillage and Seal of the Poisonous. Da -da -da -da. But surely Conan is back under the comic auspices of Marvel again. Mm -hmm. So how? You, what's going on here? Interesting. Just, just, just a, a. Is it because it's a direct adaptation? Maybe? Is it? Yeah, it could be. Could be. Yeah. Not sure. Not no, sure. There is one person who has uh, already pre-ordered it. Oh yeah, I'm sure you can guess. <laughs> um, that's one I'm looking forward to. We haven't we haven't got the first issue of just yet, but uh, it's called Vampire State Building. The main reason I'm intrigued by it is Charlie Adler. This is his first title since The Walking Dead is finished. It's also going to be Charlie Adler art in color, which is not something no, we're used to see. Not something we see a lot of, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it looks like a dark sort of horror title based around the Empire State Building. Um, so I think that's going to be pretty cool. Yep. You know, that's grabbing your eye. We're now into uh, the into yeah. the, the back section well, of I have, previews. Where were we? A blaze. I have jumped all the way to S. Well, I'm going to have to stop you. I'm gonna have to I stop you. I offer to, I offer to see. Oh jeez. Um, there we are. So, uh, I mean, oh, well, how could you do this, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. So, so how could you do this? We are a cartoon books. <laughs> yeah. See. So cartoon books. Um, very small publisher, I guess. Um, and it's uh, one of uh previews essential items this month, and I would completely agree with it. Okay. Completely. And if agree we just with take it. a wee pen. And just before essential item, we just put Keith's. Absolutely, even better. So <laughs> what we've got is, I think we talked about it a few months ago, was the Bone One Volume Edition, which was a color yeah, hardcover. Yeah. So the original, Bone was originally black and white. Uh, it was written and drawn by Jeff Smith over nine volumes. It was originally, God, I can't remember how many issues, um, 60 something maybe, but it was nine trade paperback volumes. Um, and so what they're doing is they're releasing the, the the original bone one volume edition soft cover and the black and white art um we should we should say the color version they solicited was not going to be available it wasn't going to be available in the uk but this black and white version is going to be available in the uk it's 1344 pages um and it is honestly one of the most fantastic pieces of literature i've ever read it's if you <laughs> just i would highly i would highly recommend it um it follows three cousins, the three bone cousins. Um, they're three um, anthropogenic, um, genderless characters that kind of are the shape of a cartoon bone-ish with arms and legs. Um, <laughs> they're called Phone Bone, Phony Bone and Smiley Bone, our hero being Phone Bone. And they're three, they're three cousins who have had themselves run out of their, their modern town of Boneville. Uh, and they've been run out as a result of uh, phony bone, their cousin phony bones schemes. Okay, so they're running to Boneville and find themselves. They find themselves lost in this uh, massive uncharted desert. Uh, they become separated, and one by one, they make their way into this uh, this forested valley uh, that's filled with all these wonderful and terrifying creatures, including Ted the Bug and Ted's big brother, uh, <laughs> Rockjaw the Mountain Lion, the dragon, rat creatures. Um, the, the the Lord of the Locusts, um, 
so they meet uh, our, our hero Phonebone um, meets Thorn and her tough as nails Grandma Ben uh, and the Great Red Dragon um, they all do their best to survive in the middle of this brewing war this trouble that becomes this war between the valley's denizens uh, it all takes place over a year of their lives um, it's it, it start it, I, I've described it before as a cross between Lord of the Rings and Bugs Bunny uh, but it, whenever I say Lord of the Rings I mean it has the epic quality of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. it starts off it's one of those things that kids can read and enjoy but you know can enjoy the cartoon aspects of it but uh, and I, I, th- I nearly think cartoon books was put together actually to publish this mm-hmm. this particular book but adults can enjoy it they can en- enjoy that there's a there's an element of fanaticism amongst the the enemy and and um, yeah, the whole it's, it's really is it's a fantastic fantastic book so uh, I mean at, at, at this price which is what forty four ninety five dollars so yeah it's probably the forty pound yeah it's probably it's highly highly worth worth it it's it's well worth getting yeah yeah just do it do yourself a favor fifty five issues okay. in total yeah Jeez. so it was. Um, um, it's uh, yes, yeah, so, such yeah. such a good book. I don't think recommendations come much higher than that. Yeah. Um, I in time for Christmas. I in time for Christmas. Is that the third time we've mentioned fucking Christmas in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell you what, though, are you ready for the fourth? <laughs> <laughs> no, Roddy, don't do it. Well, um, before we hit your oh, your guess, we, I've got another one here. Really? I've got another one here. I just thought would be worth throwing out as an interest. Um, they're going to be um, printing a 20th anniversary deluxe edition hardcover for the Matrix comics. Oh, cool. Uh, now, what's interesting about this is the Matrix comics, when they first came out, they ended up getting recalled. I think there were certain story elements that apparently the Wachowskis weren't happy with, and they pulled the books. Um, and it's just interesting with they've recently announced they're going to be doing a sequel to the Matrix. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I leave it up to yourselves, but... The reason I want to just throw out a wee bit of uh, notice for this is because I've never read them personally, but I'm really curious to simply because it includes stories by Neil Gaiman, art by Dave Gibbons, art by Bill Sinkowitz, Michael Weming, and the Wachowskis are writing stuff in it as well. So yeah, there seems to be two different covers for it. Um, so yeah, it's volume one and two together, 400 pages. Not quite bone size, you know, 1,344 pages, <laughs> but 400 pages, and I think if you're a sort of sci-fi fan, Matrix fan, you'll probably dig that. I, I'm, I'm going to pick that up myself when it comes out um, and give it a wee read, methinks. But anyway, cool. back to Christmas. I do apologise, yeah. Roddy. Yeah. time, jeez. You know, you may get a bottle hurled at you by Keith, <laughs> but, you know, by all means. I'm not a Scrooge, it's just yeah. Christmas it's, has its, its place. Mm-hmm. Christmas has its place. It's early September. Yeah, exactly. Like, have you your Christmas party booked? what <laughs> uh, well anyway I wanted to a couple of reasons why I'm, I'm not obsessed with Christmas I'm sorry uh, there's two reasons why I wanted to mention this one first of all looks like it's something for kids and second of all it's a, an amazing artist who I've worked with as well um, so this one we're on to Esnoy and this is Scout Comics and this one is an original graphic novel, The Island of Misfit Toys. Writer Brendan Deenan and the artist is George Cambodias. And if you've ever read uh, Tales of the Fractured Worlds, you will have seen his work in that. Um, he's also done stuff for Image and all that. A um, couple of other booms as well, I think. 
Um, but yeah, inspired by the beloved original tele- television classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, two days before Christmas. Not 102 days. A terrible snowstorm <laughs> arrives and, and Charlie in the box is lost at sea. King Moonracer quickly puts together a band of misfit toys to rescue him. Together with the Yukon, with Yukon Cornelius, Bumble and the abominable snow monster, the misfits mm. embark on their greatest adventure yet. But one question remains, will they say Charlie and return to the island in time for Santa to arrive? Or are the misfits doomed to spend another Christmas without a little boy or girl to love them? Um, yeah, 9.99 as well, 80 pages. I just thought that might be something cool for a younger younger reader at Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. I'll get a few of those in. As long as you promise to stop saying Christmas. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that might be me. There's a couple of um, SourcePoint Press things I like the look of. The Misplaced was one of them. There's a Goth Young Lovers, a one-shot by the writer of G.I. Joe, Paul Aller. Um, there's the sequel to Ogres, or the sequel, sequel to Ogre, called Ogres, which was a series I really liked by Bob Sally and Sean Daly. Really cool art on that. Uh, Misplaced looks really good though. From the mind of television graphic designer Chris Callahan comes the first of a four issue supernatural mystery miniseries that will leave you questioning the very existence of existence. What if paradise wasn't as it seemed? A tragic journey to a new world, two souls separated by death. After a fatal shipwreck, James finds himself dissatisfied with the tedious machinations of eternity in the afterlife, a journey of discovery, a journey to discovery, sorry, excuse me, a journey to discover the truth of his wife's disappearance reveals a terrible secret even knowledge can't explain. Yeah, that one sounds really cool. If you get a chance, look at the art because it's very Sandman-esque. And uh, I think that's me. Unless I'll pass it over to the dream team over there. (laughs) I think we're... Oh, pretty alright. Blade Runner Volume One trade paperback will be. Oh, my! Out November, yeah. Yep. First couple of issues have been great. So they have. Rick and Morty. Show, show me, me what, what you got. got. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? How can Rick and Morty be in Titan? Because well, they it's only press who publish them, but this is. The very best artwork from the sold out gallery 1988 official art expedition. Oh, right. Stunning posters, sculptures, album covers, hip flasks, and more, plus exclusive artist interviews and unseen work in progress. There's uh, a beautiful piece, squanchy science stories, 15 cents. Get shrifty. Get shrifty. I know we really don't talk about, talk much about Valiant, um, but this one might interest you, Keith. Um, Rye, written by Dan Abnett. Oh, yeah. And... Have you seen this artwork by Juan Jose? Valiant or an interesting no, it looks one. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, last year we went to London Comic Con, we went to this retailers event, and there was reps from all the indie companies. And I gotta admit, like the image guy was so boring. He was literally just reading from the previews book. And what was ironic was that we had only just recorded oh, a podcast. That's what we do every day. <laughs> but we had only recorded a podcast three days earlier. So everything he was saying, I was like Roddy said this the other day. <laughs> he said this the other day. But see the Valiant guy, he was so excitable. He was all like, 
whatever you retailers need we will give you you need displays you need posters you need us to push on our social media whatever it takes we'll help you blah 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 so it was really excitable oh, cool. but Valiant is one of those things I personally have never gone into beyond a title called Quantum and Woody which I really enjoyed but we've got a couple of regulars who are big Valiant fans and one of the reasons they say they enjoy Valiant so much is Valiant is an interconnected universe the way that Marvel is or DC is but it's only been going for about 10 years so it's and not it's, it's not outside the realms of a possibility to track everything that's come out in those 10 years um, as I say it's not something I've I've get into myself but the people who like Valiant seem to love it and really stand mm-hmm. behind it um, and there's people who work for Valiant as you say Dan Abnett Tim Seeley's works for them Clay Mann who we mentioned did a lot of stuff on Ninjak as well um, so there's been there's a lot of good creators work on that Yeah. and it'll be interesting to see if Valiant gets any sort of a push from the Bloodshot movie that's coming out soon with Vin Diesel uh, yeah. as Bloodshot oh, yeah, right. so it'll be interesting to see if it gets any sort of a bump from that Cool. Um, last one. Uh, we're at Vault now. Um, oh, is this the rip-off covers corner? Yeah, I, I, they got it. I think they got to stop this. Like, um, have you written them a strongly worded letter? I might have to because have you shot um, the cloud yet? not yet. Um, <laughs> but like, I love what they do. Like, it feels like they curate like really interesting, cool science fiction stuff. Yeah. But um, when I look at those covers, I'm just like, it makes them. I know what they're doing. I know it's like, and I but think we talk cheap, about it, it every time. It but, yeah, because the one we're going to talk about has a whiteout inspired. That is whiteout, isn't it? The yeah. whiteout inspired cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're talking about black stars above. Um, it's written by Lonnie Nadler with art by Jenna Chan, colors Brad Simpson. Um, and the cover I think is done by the it certainly looks like the person that done Fearscape um, and even the uh, the letter letters at the top the title looks a bit like it um, but yeah this, this really caught my eye I think it looks really cool um, the year is 1887 and a storm brews a young fur trapper flees her overbearing family only to get lost in a dreamlike winter wilderness that harbors a cosmic threat the fur trade is dead and the nation is changing, yet Eulalie Dubois has spent her entire life tending to her family's trapline, isolated from the world. A chance of freedom comes in the form of a parcel that needs delivering to a nameless town north of the wilderness. Little does she know that something sinister hides in those woods and it yearns for what she has. It sounds class, yeah. Um, I saw them on Twitter likening it to the, the Revenant. And it's good, very mixed well. with, mixed the, with uh, Cthulhu. I was going to say that that main cover looks very Lovecraftian. Yeah, you know, sort of the almost the giant monster in the sky. Yeah, um, you had that trap line. That actually looks really, really interesting. I managed to get that. I, I thought myself. it was a really cool one. They're they're doing really interesting stuff. But I, anytime I look at those covers, I'm just but like, please. They, they seem to yeah. be doing this thing now, though. If you look below it, it's called Vault Vintage Honoring covers oh that's oh so so that's frank miller's that must be sin city or not, something like yeah, that yeah it's not white out yeah. and then they've got this one vault presents heist and it says vault vindy john reen at the hernandez brothers and bram boland so at least they're acknowledging the fact oh that, yeah, yeah like <laughs> i think i think they always kind of did that but it just to but me then, it doesn't look good like yeah 
But then, you know, that sounds really interesting and quite, you know, lyrical and quite grown up. And then you turn a couple of pages and you find a title published by a vault called Money Shot. It sounds very funny. The intrepid <laughs> XX explorers are held prisoner by a warlord on the planet Dry Reef. Can this crew of lovers, not fighters, survive the arena long enough to find their prize? A love guru whose orgasms are powerful enough to split the atom. Tim Seeley again. <laughs> Tim Seeley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no sex criminals, but, you know. Yeah, indie is done. I I'm think that might be the biggest indie previews chat we've ever had. There's a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot, um, a lot to sink your teeth into there. Well, I mean, based on looking at the board, the new color-coded board yeah. uh, in Coffee and Heroes. Tell us more about um, the color-coded board. So, <laughs> you sounded so genuine there. Um, oh, it was, it was. So yeah, just doing the board and we, we grabbed some new markers. It's just little things, little touches in the store, but... Um, on the board if a title is in red it's Marvel if it's in blue it's DC and if it's in yellow it's indie it's and this month indie, it's, this month is 50% indie I'd say and not just because of Roddy because Keith's recommended a few I recommended one or two myself Vicky's the same so I think it's a big big indie month so thanks well, for sticking yeah. with me indeed well what do you want to do do you want to go DC or do you want to go Marvel it's up to you DC's on top let's just perfect alright uh, DC Previews book this month to be honest um, the most interesting thing about it is actually DC are about to start their new branding of titles um, on mm-hmm. the first page they've got a guide here so you've got DC Kids which is our, are intended for ages 8 to 12 you've got DC Graphic Novels for Young Adults intended for readers ages 13 plus you've got Single Issues the traditional DC that's intended for readers of ages 13 plus Pardon me. And finally, you've got Black Label. Rebranded, because let's be honest, I love that Black Label <laughs> is uh, basically just replaced Vertigo. So I, it's think, in- um, I think we talked about this a while ago. I'm, I like it. I think it's clear. It's concise. I think it helps um, newer readers. It helps parents. Yeah. Um, Gone are the days of... Um, it got the days of having to, you know, just judge what oh, was there. What's this imprint? Vertigo, Wonder, yeah, all that stuff, you know. Yeah, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a good uh, move, as I say, to help the more casual readers for the industry. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's there are a couple of standout titles in DC this month, but we talked last month about how packed the the previous book was. Yeah. This month is not nearly as much as that. Although the first title that you come across in the book is awesome sounding um so you've got batman white knight presents von freeze number one um so white knight is obviously sean murphy's own corner of the dc universe curse of the white knight so far has been wonderful looking forward to you reading issue two yeah uh, and issue one <laughs> i'm not i'm not on it oh you're not on it. no oh, we got to change uh, that I know yeah, you're, you're I want to get them in, I want to get it in trade, yeah. Well, the first two issues of Curse of White and that have been wonderful, but this is the first time they're doing a sort of a spin-off in that universe. Um, it is still written by Sean Murphy, but the art on this occasion is by Klaus Janssen, who, of oh, course, really? worked so memorably with Frank Miller yeah. on Dark Knight Returns. So that's going to be a one-shot, uh, 56 pages. Um, cover is brilliant. Cover sort of looks like Heart of Ice from Batman the Animated Series meets Nazi Germany, basically. It's quite, um, he had one in the 
was the first miniseries that looks quite similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely one of Freeze looking over. Can't remember what it was, but it was there was one a close up of him looking at the camera, but he had something in front of him. Yeah, very Which good. It, this this one shot sounds wonderful, so it does. So, uh, the world of Batman White Knight expands with this standalone tale on the night of Bruce Wayne's traumatic birth. Uh, Victor Freeze must intervene to save the lives of Martha Wayne and the future Batman. As the evening unfolds, Victor distracts Thomas with the incredible tale of his own father figures, one a Nazi, the other a Jew, and their complex connection to Wayne Laboratories. Oh, wow. So I think that sounds brilliant. I mean, Victor Freeze is a very different character in Sean Murphy's universe than he is in... Oh, yeah. You know... Very much so. So it's, um, yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. Cool. Uh, you've got the next um, title launching from uh, Joe Hill Presents Hill House Comics. We chatted quite a lot about this last month with Basketful of Heads. Uh, this one is The Dollhouse Family, written by Mike Carey. Um, it's continuing the tradition of having backup stories from Joe Hill. Um, so again, this is focused on horror. This is going to be a six-issue mini-series. Um on Alice's sixth birthday, her dying great aunt sent her the birthday gift she didn't know she always wanted. A big, beautiful 19th century dollhouse complete with a family of antique dolls. In no time at all, the dollhouse isn't just Alice's favourite toy, it's her fa- it's her whole world. And soon, young Alice learns she can enter the house to visit a new group of friends straight out of the heartwarming children's novel, The Dollhouse Family. But while the dollhouse family welcome her with open arms, in the real world her family life is more complicated. And deep within the dollhouse's twisting halls, the black room awaits with an offer to Alice. The house can fix all this. The black room says it can. All she has to do is say the words. Um, so yeah, that sounds cool. Really yeah, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to that imprint in general. Um, then we have something that's maybe slightly confusing because I was talking about how at the start of this book, DC were trying to simplify everything and say, this is DC and at this age range, this is DC Kids. Then you just throw in young animal. So what's young animal compared to the rest? Well, I mean, it does on the, it does come under DC Black Label as well, but DC Young Animal is the imprint that Jared Way started um, to do slightly more off center stories, shall we say? He's um, he's your man of Tales of the Umbrella Academy, isn't he? Yeah, so Umbrella Academy. Yeah, he's currently writing Doom Patrol. Most people probably know him as the front man for My Chemical Romance, but he was a comic writer and artist long before he was a musician. Um. So, yeah, this one is Far Sector number one. Um, this seems to be, uh, this is written by N.K. Jemison, um, art by Jamal Campbell, and this looks to be a, a Green Lantern story. Yeah, the, the individual there looks, looks a bit like a Green Lantern. Yeah. For the past six months, newly chosen Green Lantern Sojourner Joe Mullen has been protecting the city enduring a massive metropolis of 20 billion people. The city has maintained peace for over 500 years by stripping its citizens of their ability to feel. As a result, violent crime is virtually unheard of and murder is non-existent. But that's all about the change in this new maxi-series that gives DC Young Animal spin to the legacy of the Green Lanterns. Um, yeah, so you have that. Got another one of those wonderful facsimile editions. Uh, this one is Green Lantern 85, which was... Um, when Oliver Queen found that his young sidekick Ray, uh, Roy Harper classic. has hooked on heroin. So this was a very classic DC Attacks use greatest problem. Drugs. My word, Speedy is a junkie. <laughs> so yeah, this was uh, originally released in 1971. I know we're taking the mick a little bit now, but 
this is something that really showed the comics were more than just for kids and could actually tackle. It's actually still a pretty hard hitting cover. Like it's clearly his, his own heroine there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, so. it, it showed that they could tackle social problems and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. We've got Green Lantern Black Stars number Which one. Which is the follow-up from the 12-issue Green Lantern miniseries, or series by, maxi-series by Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison yeah. and Liam Sharp. What this is actually going to be, though, it's going to be... I don't want to use the word stopgap because that sort of devalues it, but this is going to be a three-issue miniseries while Liam Sharp works on Green Lantern Volume 2. Which apparently him and uh, Grant Morrison are going to do another twelve issues. I'm all for that because it's a special brand of madness. I I don't fully understand at all times. Yeah, you see, I'm not. I I've I think I've enjoyed most of it. Most of the eleven issues I've read so far. Be the same. Uh, And it's definitely been a ride, but it's the same as whenever I was go karting at the stag do at the weekend. I really enjoyed the qualifying round, but by the time it was finished... Grant Morrison will be so honoured right now. <laughs> I really enjoyed the qualifying round, but by the time it was finished, I felt really sick, <laughs> and I stepped away for the competition. Grant so. Morrison, your books make Keith physically ill. You have to know when to get off, I yeah. guess. So I think, come 12, I'll finish that out, and I think I'm going to get off. Well, for those because I enjoyed it, but feeling like a bit sick. Exactly. Well, for those who are happy to not, you know, those who are happy to get into the main race <laughs> and not hop off. Uh, yeah, this is a three-issue uh, miniseries that's going to sort of plug the gap between uh, the two main titles. Um, as I say, three issues, art by someone I'm not overly familiar with. I must say, uh, one-word names are Manico. Uh, so yeah, Greenlander and Black Stars number one. Pre-orders for this are actually strong, I think. Despite what you're saying about Greenlander, I think a lot of people are uh, actually enjoying it. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, myself included. No, I, as I say, I the reason I enjoy Greenlander, I don't always fully get it, but it's so unlike any other title. It's like you know the way you're saying about on Earth that maybe you're just reading a bit too much body horror a bit too much fantasy or a bit too much it's because it's all in Green Lantern but this is he has everything this has a bit of everything and <laughs> it's not like any other title like I'll give you an example and maybe I don't know if you'll agree with this or not but I read Green Lantern number 10 and then I read Death's Head right so two sci-fi titles essentially and Death's Head seemed like a children's book to me it was fun and I enjoyed it but next to Green Lantern, I was just like, you know, this is yeah. for toddlers and this is for, you know, adults. I don't know. It's, it was a bit weird. Is it because you understood one and you didn't understand the other? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I really enjoyed there was that one issue uh, that took place inside the ring that I thought was beautiful. Well, you had that. Uh, you had the great issue with, um, we talked about with Oliver Queen in it as well. Yeah. Green Lantern, Green Arrow, you had yeah, the great issue. Yeah, but that was also a wee bit on the too weird for me side. You had the great issue where all the gods were bartering for the countries and the universes, you know, at an auction. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but yeah, it'll be interesting to go back and read it in one go. Yes. But I'm going to move away from Green Lantern and give Mr. Miller I'll take, the floor. I'll take one here. So, uh, Tim Seeley's up again. Uh, Tim Seeley. He is a busy man. Tim Seeley, who we know from a variety Tim of Seeley things. Tim Seeley and Colin Bunn. They both yeah. seem to write everything. Uh, Tim Seeley, known for his work on Grayson, G.I. Joe, Transformers, New Exiles. Um, so he works across, he's worked across DC and Marvel. Did you, did you read all of Grayson? 
Uh, no, I didn't read any of Grayson. No. I'm just curious because yeah. it's Tim Seeley working in cooperation yeah. with Scott Tom King. No, take it, Tom King. Tom that's King. right. Yeah. Uh, and Kelly Yannon. That was there. one that I had my eye on in the story. Remember, you had the omnibus, and then someone bought it, <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, right, I shouldn't have Christmas had my eye on it. Christmas present, sort of for yeah. Keith. <laughs> there you go. So we're looking at He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. So not to be not to be all. confused with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, yeah. but to be confused with. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which, as we know, was the series that ran from 1983 to 1985. Two seasons, 65 episodes, and one of my childhood favourites. Series takes place on the uh, magic, mythical, fantastical, technological planet of Eternia. Uh, lead characters Prince Adam, he's the young son of Eternia's rulers, rulers uh, Randor and Marlena. And whenever he holds aloft the sort of power and proclaims by the power of Grey Skull, uh, he's endowed with fabulous mystical powers and transformed into He Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Uh, so, he, together with Battle Cat, who is his uh, pet and has also transformed from his sniveling cat Cringer uh, and his body's sorceress Tita, Man at Arms, Orko, Ram Man, uh, he uses his powers to defend Eternia from the evil forces of Skeletor and the Masters of Evil. Um, so I guess that was the, that's the TV show. Great, every end of every episode had a lesson about l- t- listening to what your parents say and not eating too much chocolate and you know <laughs> going to school. What episode of Masters? <laughs> <my friends, that. laughs> uh, you know what I mean. It was always one of those moral lessons for fighting kids. the jar- jam bar of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. is, well, I think I read that in Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this. I mean, and then they, they sort of relaunched the cartoon series in like 2002. It was a really odd. Yeah, really I remember awesome that. And the comic. There was yeah. comics in 2002. And I've read like, a few uh, of the comics, but I, this is the first one that I've read that I'm interested in in a long while. And I know they're also releasing uh, a retrospective, another 1,500 page, you know, 150 pounds. Sits snugly on the shelf beside Bone. Beast <laughs> that I may or may not purchase as well. So. Uh, he Man of the Masters of the Multiverse by Tim Seeley, art by Dan Fraga and Richard Friend. Um, it Beautiful seems cover the, by uh, a very in demand artist as well, in Hugh Lee. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a big Marvel variant artist at the moment. Um, a lot of. Not uh, being someone who engages too much in variants. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they're actually doing cover A. Hmm. And I think it's one of the first DC covers they've done as well. So this, it's actually funny, this, the story seems a wee bit reminiscent of metal, mm-hmm. you know, so we have all these, we have these different universes, these different oh, multiverses that are yeah. smashing together, uh, are a wee bit reminiscent of, uh, of Jonathan Hickman's Infinity in Avengers, mm-hmm. these different uh, versions of the Masters of the Universe, universe are smashing together, and we have different versions of He-Man, different versions of the Masters of the Universe, uh, but Anti-Eternity, Eternia, sorry, Anti-Eternia, uh, you know, is the is the scourge of, of the, the dark multiverse, the dark multiverse, effectively, <laughs> is unleashed, and so it seems to be bringing together a whole lot of different versions of the masters of universe from different masters of the universes, universes, you know, okay. together in order to fight this whatever, uh, whatever version of evil is, you know. But it seems to be, uh, so. What it says is the scourge of the Antiquaria. Is unleashed on the multiverse, blazing a trail across the dimensions. Uh, he's devastating each version of Eternia and stealing its power. I would say Andy Eternia is probably an evil version of He Man, is he? I don't mm. know. Uh, now it's up to a ragtag team of surviving He Men 
to recruit one man in existence who might save them, Prince Keldor, the man who would be Skeletor. This all-new miniseries features the most iconic eras and beloved takes on the Masters of the Universe. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Six issues, 32 pages. Uh, looks gorgeous. So, yeah. What What if they announced that it was going to be the dimensions of a traditional black label title? That would, would you be, still be interested? Uh, that would be a big issue. <laughs> uh, literally, it would be a big issue. See what I did there? I see what you did. did. See what I did there? I see. Yeah, too big for any box that I have, so I wouldn't buy it. Okay. <laughs> there are uh, there are nine magazine size uh, boxes available. Yeah, I copy here. Talking about black label. <laughs> Talking about black label, which we now have boxes for. Um, yeah, so Hellblazer is coming back. Um, this is the start of a new ongoing series for Hellblazer. Links uh, to the uh, Sandman universe. Sandman universe. So your yeah. House of Whispers, your Lucifer, your uh, books of magic and dreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and also by Cy Spurrier, who has been helping to curate it, yeah. that line yeah. along with Neil Gaiman. I don't know how much input Neil Gaiman has to it, but I would well. imagine he would have had to at least quote sign off on it. Mm. Um, but so this is this is not to be confused with the Constantine one shot, which is due out in October. That's basically going to lay the groundwork, and then this is going to be the ongoing series from that. Uh, as you say, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. And quite excitingly, a variant cover by Charlie Adler. Oh, so, there we are. Uh, really? I think that could be pretty cool. But yeah, the and it's normal sized. Normal sized. Um, so yeah, just not read out the whole blurb, but just the very end of it is the original Constantine is back in this series from Cy Spurrier and Aaron Campbell, with nothing to his name but decades of bad memories and an unearned second chance. How exactly will he squander it? There's only one way to find out. So yeah, that looks really um, cool. Can you stick me down for the uh, Charlie Adler, Charlie Adler copy of that? Of course can. <laughs> Far end of that, yeah. Damn it, he's put it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> tape, oh God, how old do I sound? Um, the next two issues are two uh, one-shots that look like they're going to uh, segue to the events of Batman Superman. Uh, Batman Superman, which I only just got to read last night. Um, it came out last week but unfortunately we sold out of issues before I could take one well, thank you very much for grabbing me a spare copy oh, pleasure much appreciated pleasure um, what this two pa- what these two pages do though is give credence to Keith's theory I have a theory so in okay. recent DC books there's been a large double page spread uh, talking about Year of the Villain and the Infected and the Infected are a number of six, six individuals six individuals uh, who have been infected by the Batman who laughs uh-huh. With, with with dark metal and has twisted them to his ends. So heroes specifically. Who yeah, this them. double page spread had maybe what 120 characters in it. A whole like, wreck. The whole DC universe. universe. Mm-hmm. But only six of them were standing with their hand to their chin. Two of them were Shazam, Blue Beetle. Right. Another one was Gordon, who. Spoilers. Fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to know events of Batman who laughs. Uh, at the end of Batman who laughs Gordon is infected he's another one who is doing that commissioner so yeah. Keith has, <laughs> thinks he has figured out the six standing like that or the six who are infected yeah. end spoilers yeah. Um, but yeah these are two one shots that uh, yeah it says spinning out of the events of Batman Superman and Year of the Villain so for example one of them is King Shazam it's a tale of a hero whose soul has been turned black and one who has something to prove to the old guard Buckling for Shazam's journey to punch a bunch of so-called gods in the face and show the establishment exactly what the future looks like. So Shazam, the infected Shazam is called King Shazam. The yeah. infected Blue, Blue Beetle is, is called, called Scarab. Um, this one, interestingly, written by Dennis Hopeless. Yeah. Uh, obviously a big Marvel writer for a long time there. And also, it's interesting that it's Dennis Hopeless. 
and with Dennis Hallam at this point yeah 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 he seems to be chopping and changing between the two names because he is the co-writer on Save Stars with Jason Aaron uh, and this one's art by Freddie Williams the second the Infected Scarab he's the artist on the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles titles um, so yeah they're two uh, spin out one shots from Batman Superman cool. you've then got Legion of Superheroes now Brad Michael Bendis this worries me a bit why is that as a DC fan there's a bit too much of Bendis taking over DC at the moment for my liking in the last week I've read Justice League Action Comics Doomsday Clock and there was one and Legion of Superheroes they're all linked I'm starting to wonder if Bendis got some sort of deal to come to DC where he would be able to guide everything like I'm happy with him having his own like Don, I'll use Donny Cates as an example Donny Cates has his own corner of the Marvel Universe Silver Surfer Guardians of Galaxy Venom Absolute Carnage but none of that seems to affect Thor Avengers Daredevil oh no it definitely affects Thor well yeah there is links to Thor yeah. okay I take that part back but More things like Venoms and all wasn't it? It's uh, Venom yeah. but Venom. I think it's okay them having their own corner of it so to speak I could be wrong but it just seems like everything is leaning towards the Legion of Superheroes uh, so you think he's curating I think he's curating the universe? entire DC line at the moment okay what? I, I, no, I can and there's a so, big big rumour just right. to throw it in there that Bendis is taking over Batman it's a rumour but there's a big rumour he's taking over Batman so, from Tom King so no I, can, I mean I can I don't, I don't know that that's the case so, so Bendis is uh, obviously had a love for Legion of Superheroes the link to Superman is John Kent at the end of the current mm-hmm. Superman arc, the Legion of Super, which the, the House of L yeah. arc was very much linked to this. Bendis is writing Superman already, yeah, um, an action comic, whatever you know, and he's doing a really good job on it, really good job on it. And what he's doing with John Kent is fantastic. What he's done with John Kent, edging him up, and you know, uh, he's done a really good job. And that's where the the Legion of Superheroes link comes. Bendis's character of Naomi. I believe who's just appeared at the end of the current comics, issues yep. of Action Comics. I believe is now I haven't read the first issue of uh, Millennium yet, mm-hmm. but I believe is the character in Millennium who will be guiding us yeah. through the. So there, that's where you've got your Bendis verse. Yeah, you know. So I don't, I don't know that. Why? Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's it's, just... it's a major thing happening. Yeah. It's a it's a connected universe. What's happening in Legion? What's happening in in Action Comics and. Uh, and then Superman and therefore in Millennium should have some echoes through the other titles should have an echo through Justice yeah. League should have an echo but but I don't I wouldn't be jumping and saying that and the Bent Leviathan as well also yeah Bent. so yeah 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 um, but at the same time I say I'm worried about that but the first issue of Legion of Superheroes Millennium which is a two-parter leading into this series was great mm. uh, and actually got me excited for this yeah I have no interest in Legion of Superheroes none at all yeah but they've pulled me in along with Jonathan Kent a wee bit I think <laughs> so I think Jonathan Kent because he's the character that we know yeah certainly I mean I've, I've I just think because you've seen him now he was a kid and you saw him as a kid being pulled into the DC universe with you know after the end of New 52 and all that yeah. stuff and with Rebirth and where he's come from and so forth and so on and you've seen him grow up and then you saw him disappear with his grandfather and then you saw him come back as an adult yeah and now you're you're seeing him adventuring with his father across the universe and effectively Jonathan Kent in starting the United Federation of Planets or whatever they're calling it now in the DC Universe yeah. he has been responsible for the creation of the Legion of Superheroes in the future uh, so there, so Jonathan Kent seems to be going with them 
yeah to become a major of a, a, a member of the legion of superheroes in the 31st century and i kind of want to go with them <laughs> so, <laughs> so i might have to pick up that first issue so <laughs> well in fairness there is a little bit of a, a quote here from bendis regarding this first issue where he says this is a brand new legion of superheroes this deeply harkens back to the original ideals and, and concepts of the legion but the legion has not existed in the continuity of the dc universe as it stands today so th- this is the important part what he says afterwards I think because whether you're a seasoned reader or someone wanting to get into these um, stories so this is as fresh a take on the classic DC franchise as there has ever been you don't need to have read anything Superman and his family are meeting them for the first time along with us Oh, so it, it does sound like it's going to be very user friendly very mm-hmm. new reader friendly but at the same time you'll probably get a certain amount out of it with uh, obviously having a bit of a comics knowledge and background as well yeah. so I started that off really negatively um, but actually I'm looking forward to yeah, that I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to it too <laughs> um, over the page we have one of uh, Keith's favourites because it is uh, black label size magazine size and because of that, and I'm it's not, killing I'm, him because I'm not, I'm he really be, thinks, I'm not going to be bagging him he really thinks yeah. this is interesting looking but, yeah. but the black label has you know it's put me off it's put not happening nope um, yeah, so the next um, bi-monthly prestige format black label title is The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, number one. Again, that man, Jeff Lemire, just like Colin Bunn is everywhere. <laughs> um, An art and cover by Dennis Cohen and Bill Sigovitz. So, for years, Vic Sage has worn the faceless mask of The Question to clean up the streets of Hub City by sheer force of will. He knows right from wrong. He knows black from white. But what happens when he is drawn into a conspiracy that reaches from the heights of Hug City Par to the depths of its underground tunnels? What happens when things stop being black and white and start getting a little grey? And what happens when, in a secret chamber deep beneath the city, Vic Sage meets his own end and his new beginning? Eisner Award winning writer Jeff Lemire joins forces with the legendary art team of Dennis Cohen and Bill Sinkovitz to resurrect Vic Sage only to destroy him all over again and again and again. So yeah, forty-eight pages each time. Sign me up. Four issues. The size of it is not putting Roddy off. What's interesting is though, it does say the the it does give the dimensions of the issue, which is the same as Damned and uh, Superman Year One. But you look at these preview pages; they're very they are the yeah the traditional size. comic size. Yeah. So uh, I'll keep an eye out for that. So but whatever they treat it in normal size, or maybe. Yeah. But no, Batman Dan's come out this week, and it's magazine size. Yeah, goddamn. So, as a trade, yeah. Well, well it has to be because yeah. you'd be crushing the art, so the proportions would be wrong. Yeah, yeah you could just widescreen it. Yeah. <laughs> be fine. Um, Make it really smaller. As a title, <laughs> I think this is great because my one concern with Black Label recently was that it was all Batman. It was Batman, it was Joker, it was Harley Quinn. Yes, you have Superman Year One in there, but let's be honest, we know Batman's going to be in issue three. Um, so this is a real, um, I think this is a nice diversion away from sort of Gotham and Batman yeah. and you know all the all those characters. So to showcase a character like the Question, I think this looks great. Um, I so think yeah, that's that's what Black Label should be. It should be picking exactly. like characters like the Question, French characters, yeah. Doctor Fate or Spectre or whatever, and just being like. Yeah, we'll focus on that. Yeah, highlighting the legacy of DC Big. rather than just like yeah, we know Batman sells. Let's keep doing maybe Batman. sell them off the back of the big name creators. You know, yeah. it's interesting because my the my first introduction to the question was in fifty two uh-huh. in the the series fifty two. Yeah, uh, where the question wasn't Vic's age. It's Montoya. It was uh, Renee Montoya, Montoya yeah. uh, and she took over as the question in that series. Yeah, so that's sort of why I enjoyed the question. 
a wee bit. Ah. So I guarantee we'll get you to pick up that first issue. I'll certainly read it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have a wee look there. Twentieth of November. What I've rejigged your Christmas present. <laughs> um, Alan, you mentioned Christmas more than I have. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> um, next page, just I'll throw this out there very quickly. So we chatted last month about Tales from the Dark Multiverse, the new line of one-shots. There's sort of alternate looks at big DC events. The first two titles from it were Nightfall and Death of Superman. So this month they've added two more. So you've got Blackest Night and uh, Infinite Crisis. Oh, wow. um, Blackest Night should be good. Who's writing Blackest Night? Wouldn't be Tim Seeley, would it? Tim Seeley. Oh, <laughs> the other one. Um, so uh, November I mean, is Tim Seeley one. And again, this is good to see because again, just as I was talking about Black Label, I don't want all this dark multiverse stuff to be Batman and Superman. It's nice to see a Green Lantern story. Yeah. For example. But they're what they're doing is they're with these tales of the dark. The, so what last. Last week it was the death of Superman and Nightfall. Yeah, Nightfall. Yeah. This week oh, it's sorry. this month it's Blackest Night and Infinite Crisis. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm liking that they're doing other characters. Uh-huh. That's yeah. that's sort of what I want to see. You know, um, yeah. So you've then got a couple of sort of titles aimed at DC younger readers. You've got Diana, Princess of the Amazons trade paperback and Green Lantern Legacy trade paperback. Both of those again are aimed at younger readers, although they are advanced solicits. They're out in January of 2020. God, that sounds so far away, but it's not. Then we're going to have to flick through things very quickly because uh, there was Batman 83, three issues from the end of Tom King's run. Can we say nothing more about that? So we'll just flick past that. It ends (laughs) in 85. Uh, Batman Beyond 38. Do we have a Clay Man appearance coming up? uh... So yeah, Clay Man is uh, doing Batman 78 and 79. He's doing varying covers for both, but he's also doing the interior art for both. Uh, so those are both out in the next few weeks suffice to say I've ordered a shed load of errands uh, get them signed in October uh, Batman Ra's al Ghul number 4 I've got to throw a shout out for I just read issue 1 of that last night and it was surprisingly good uh, um, Batman Beyond still there yeah. Batman Beyond approaching 40 issues now in this iteration by Dan Jurgens. Um, it's just it's a constantly enjoyable DC book yeah, I really gotta just grab all your single issues off yeah. and just binge them one night because every time you talk about it, it sounds great. Uh, Batman Last Night on Earth number three. I think we can all agree one and two have been thoroughly brilliant. Yeah. And on issue three on the cover, you've got Darkseid's head on a spike. Darkseid was. Boom time. Uh, Darkseid was indeed. Uh, so really look forward to that. Uh, Batman's Grave number two. This is the Warren Ellis Brand Hitch 12 issue maxi series. Um, the the authority, yes, is there a big one, wasn't it? Um, so issue one of that comes out in October, so still time to sign up for that. But that's the issue two in November. We've got Birds of Prey number two, Detective one thousand sixteen. Got the finale of Event Leviathan number six. That's 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 I'm really enjoying it at the moment. I'll I'll be honest. I, issue three. I thought it was slow going, but issue three was wonderful. But uh, I mean uh a detective and noir detective story should be yeah. a slow burner um, issue 3 was wonderful this again you've got The Flash 83 uh, we will be keeping an eye to see if The Flash goes beyond the length of time that Tom King does his Batman run of 85 uh, that Rogue's Reign storyline started this month Yeah. Uh, links in the year of the villain all the rogues a lot of the rogues Captain Cold especially have been given one of Lex's 
uh, gifts uh, and are uh, ramping up towards um, yeah, reforming and taking out the Flash and the Flash family. Uh, you've got Flash Forward number three. This is a series we're really looking forward to, spinning out the events of Heroes in Crisis, focusing on Wally West. Very uncovered by your buddy. Yeah, and Hugh Clee doing that. Although I must admit, I prefer the main cover. That is very ominous looking. Because uh, there's bat people on it. That's Superman and Wonder Woman. Oh. Like bat people. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Who, who's, that, who's the cover? Ah, uh, that's by Dutch Evan Doc Shader. Oh, yeah. um, as usual, Keith's blaming Batman. What are you Harleen number three. Again, another one I'm really looking forward to. Um, the next page is Harley Quinn Poison Ivy Inferior 5 number 3 this is an interesting one so one of the black label titles is Joker Harley Quinn Criminal Sanity which is going to be a 9 issue miniseries there weren't an awful lot of people that signed up for this in the month that we chatted about number 1 Killer Joker uh, Joker Killer Smile uh, got a lot of sign ups and uh, Joker Year the Villain got a lot of sign ups but this didn't but then people saw this really creepy cover and we've had about 15 people sign up for it in the last week <laughs> Just after seeing this cover, a yeah. little kid wearing a clown mask looking in the mirror, and it's very creepy. There's something about that that is uh, reminiscent of the new Joker movie as well. Yeah. So I would say there's maybe an element of that. Yeah, let's get oh, great. It's Matina. Uh-huh. Uh, getting great it's reviews gorgeous. as well. I think we're coming to the end of this particular Justice League storyline. Well, you're hoping anyway. Uh, uh, it's just. <laughs> I mean, it's a big one, like the 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 justice, the, the League of Doom, and all of that sort of stuff. But it First feels it feels like it's starting to yeah, you know, it feels like it's starting Perpetua's awakened and all of that good stuff. So yeah, the last two issues have been very very good. In fairness, uh, thirty thirty one. It does seem now that it, every issue is written by Schneider and James Tinian. Uh-huh. Like they obviously shared duties, sort of. Schneider would write four issues, Tinian would write one, but now it seems to be they're both writing every issue. Yeah, you've just like thirty six. Conspicuous by their absence here is Justice League Dark and Justice League Odyssey. Um, finished? I'm curious to see that. Um, whether they're finished or winding down. Lois Lane's a great series, Ronnie. I think I'm going to get, uh, get the trade. Yeah, I wonder the, the it, first one was fantastic. Will it trade as, a, as two trades or will it trade as one 12 issue trade? Well, there seems to be a bit of both I mean Doomsday Clock but maybe that's to do with the length of time it's taken to come out it's going across two but uh, Mr. Miracle was one so yeah. because um, you know since just since Doomsday Clock was published printing techniques have changed completely they've advanced yeah they've advanced well also to give you some input um, Doomsday Clock launched before Mr. Miracle number one Mr. Miracle's bound trade for six months <laughs> And Doomsday it could, could be could be a money thing as well. They know they can spin money out of Doomsday Clock. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you just got a continuation of a lot of titles there. Um, just a quick mention here. I just want to throw it out. Uh, so Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number five is in here. This is a series that I've been championing quite a bit because it. I called it on Twitter the best Superman title that not enough people are reading. And those very kind words led to a ridiculously cool thing arriving at the store the other day. Um, Steve Lieber, who is the artist on it, uh, sent us a postcard all the way from Portland, Oregon. Oh. It's post. It's dated, so it was sent two days after I'd put that Twitter remark up. Mm-hmm. And he did a little uh, sketch of Jimmy Olsen, and he wrote, thanks to everyone at Coffee and Heroes for your continued support on mine and my fractions uh, title. And hilariously, it worked because 
two minutes later, Keith picked up number two. For the Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Keith. <laughs> well, he was, was in, he was in the store when it arrived. I picked up the first issue. I really enjoyed it. It's a lovely partner piece for Lois Lane, which is pure. It's like, like when we were looking at it in the review show, it was hilarious. Yeah, like, it yeah. was. So, so I, yeah, I picked up the second one. Yeah, we might actually chat about that a little bit in the review show as well, but it's great so far. I'm really, really digging it. Um, I mean, come on. like I mean, as if Christmas you haven't mentioned enough, the blurb is, Jingles sell, Batman smells, a prank war goes astray, a Batmobile lost its wheel, literally, because uh, Jimmy stole it from the valet. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that is a lot of DC book. You got some more of the Sandman Universe stuff. Basket full of heads continuing. You've got um, which I really do recommend. Sign up for number one because it sounds great. Comes out in October. Joe Hill. Joe Hill, indeed. You've got a little bit of Young Animals stuff. Um, you got a few more of the Dollar comics. So again, keep an eye out for that. We're going to be getting more of a range of those into the store. These are number one reprints for what will be a pound. You got the likes of Flashpoint, Blackest Night, Infinite Crisis. It'd be interesting to pick up Blackest Night number one and Infinite Crisis number one, and also pick up Tales of the Dark Multiverse. Multiverse compare Infinite and contrast. And Black Knight, yeah. Um, yeah, you're continuing the uh, the Walmart special stuff. You've got an expensive looking item that may come home with me. Absolute Swamp Thing Volume Two. Oh, that cover is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, lots of stuff being traded. Detective Comics, Batman. Getting nice and trade. Um, yeah. Green Lantern Volume Two and Volume One. Something I would highly recommend. Again, something only I seem to be reading. But Female Furies. Is that fin- finished up then? Yeah, yeah. So six issues just trade of its eighteenth of December. Green Lantern Rebirth. I've got the original six issue limit. That's uh, the Jeff Johns yeah. stuff. Yep. A um, couple of other bits and bobs. Uh, yeah I think that is pretty much us coming to an end Secret Origin Deluxe Edition actually that's worth a little shout out just because if you want some Jeff Johns Gary Frank goodness you're sick with on Doomsday Clock <laughs> Secret Origin is a good shout um, yeah I think that brings the DC one to an end other than mm. the ridiculously beautiful Red Sun <laughs> Batman Kyle of Batmanikoff but it's really annoyingly one to two scale and therefore not the size of my Batman coil I have at home. Sadly. <laughs> so, yeah. Vicky looks on and rolls her eyes. <laughs> that is the DC book. So what do you want to do next? <laughs> Let's do the end. I mean, we've just finished DC. Shall we We're go still in the Marvel to do... Oh, no, we don't. We've done in the already. I just wanted to see the look on Vicky's face because <laughs> she's uh, popped down two and a bit hours later. So we've done Indy, we've done DC. It's not an hour and a half at Keith's Marl. <laughs> it's not going to be an hour and a half, come on now. Two, two hours. Two hours, come on, at least. Okay, so we're going to burn through this. We will. We're going to burn through this. Okay, so uh, we're kicking off uh, with the, uh, the X-Men corner of the universe. Uh, so as we know, we're currently in the middle of House of X, Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawks and Pox <laughs> as we're calling them uh, by Jonathan Hickman yeah. and uh, I mean those are we all reading House of X and Part of X? Nope uh, Yes I am Okay so Roddy has nine issues of it sitting in his box and I read I read uh, <laughs> was it House of X? I yeah. thought it was really cool yeah. but uh, like that's that, well, 
that's a commitment too far for me. Well, between the two of us, we can lend you the issues, but they Absolutely. are genuinely worth reading. Very, very um, good stuff. Like I mean, I'm, world building stuff, I'm a complete yeah. X-Men, you know, novice. Yeah, um, same. I am really digging it. Um, really digging it. So we're sitting on issue three or four of each at the minute. So uh, we've had three parts of X so far, and issue four of House just came out this yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. So, but we know that in the next couple of months, there's going to be a number of books, as was announced at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, there's going to be a number of books spinning out of those. Uh, three of those are launching in November. Uh, two of them are of particular interest yeah, to me. So X Men. Oh, sorry, the October book was X Men: Fallen Angels and Marauder. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, this month in November we have uh, Hickman and Ed Breeson and Rod Reyes's New Mutants number one launching, uh, and it looks really interesting. the The preview art just looks lovely. So as I say, Jonathan Hickman and Ed Breeson are writing Rod Reyes's uh, arts and covers. Uh, New Mutants is going to cover the classic New Mutants. So that's uh, the classic New Mutants of the Demon Bear saga, the Chris Claremont years. So we have uh, Sunspot. Wolfsbane, Mirage, Karma, Magic, and Cipher, and uh, and actually uh, conspicuous by his absence is Cannonball, who was the leader of the New Mutants. So the classic New Mutants get together with a few new friends, Chamber and Mondo from uh, from the nineties Generation X, uh, to seek out their missing member. Oh, there we go. There's Cannonball. <laughs> okay, and share the good news. A mission that takes them into space alongside the Star Jammers. So the Star Jammers, led by uh, Scott Summers' father, yeah. Corsair Christopher Summers. So the art I, looks beautiful. I love Rod Rice's art. Yeah. His art, Winter Soldier and Kyle. Yeah, Winter Soldier. So there we are. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Really, really lovely artist, and also a fellow Rod. So there you are. You have to. You have um, to go for that, like. The support <laughs> you have to support <laughs> the art that we have here the preview art and previews is without without speech bubbles without text yeah. but uh, we can see Mondo who was uh, back in Generation X was this Hawaiian guy who could uh, it was like nearly an earth elemental he could absorb earth and absorb mass and we can see him communing I would imagine he's communing with Krakoa the mutant island uh, Cypher's talking to him Cypher whose power is to it's a wrong way looking at that top panel I'm reminded of Farmhand <laughs> no not at all not at all not at all because uh, Mondo's a very earth based mm -hmm. uh, you know and then we're, we're transferring to space and we see Corsair and the other members of the, the new mutants <clears throat> Chamber from Generation X who Chamber has a really fantastic power he's, he's always got this uh, um, bandana around his you know mouth and nose partly because those parts of his body are missing because his mutant power is this uh, psionic energy but whenever it, whenever he, he became a mutant it blew out his entire blew off his jaw blew off his you know so uh, re really looking forward to that book Jonathan Hickman and Ed Reason are going to do some fantastic stuff with it it's worth just mentioning I've just uh, noticed it as well for all these uh, X-Men number ones yeah the issue ones are going to be oversized oh, so 40 right. pages okay. uh, just noticed it there with new mutants and the next title you're about to jump onto is the next title I'm jumping onto is X Force by Benjamin Percy uh, and Joshua Kassara. So the X Force has always been a slightly out there uh, black ops um, paramilitary sort of 
team of the X-Men and it looks like this is going to be no different. Um, X-Force is the CIA of the mutant world, one half intelligence branch, one half special ops. Beast, we know we're talking about with Beast, Jean Grey, Sage, Sage was a Sage is a mutant who, uh, her, her mutant power is information, so perfect for a CIA style thing. On one side Wolverine, Kid Omega and Domino on the other. In a perfect world there would be no need for an X-Force, we're not there yet. Uh, the art looks absolutely beautiful. Covers look great. Um, Black Tom Cassidy is there as well. Black Tom Cassidy is a is a villain from uh, from the X Men. From I think it was the Claremont years. He's been around for about forty years. He was a partner of Juggernaut. He uh, is a half brother of Banshee, Tom Cassidy, and uh, he raised he raised Sean's daughter Teresa Cassidy, who became Siren. Who was in the original X Force? Keep up. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's going, going over the head. I don't know here. if uh, I don't know if we're Wolverine. Black, yeah. I don't know where <laughs> I don't know where Black Tom's been, but he's he's on this cover, so he's obviously featuring somewhere along the line. So November sees issue one and two of New Mutants and issue one and two of X Force. So that's four so far. I guess four new series. No, November we're on two more. November. That's so there was X Men, Marauders. Yeah. And Excalibur last month. Oh wait, no. This month there's X Force, New Mutants, and Fallen Angels. Ah, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Um, Fallen Angels, uh, by Brian Edward Hill and Simon Kudransky on art. Huh. Uh, so again, these are fantastic teams. I mean, you've just got me there with the artist alone because that's the artist on the current Punisher. Run. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, these are te- it's almost like they've put these teams <laughs> together. And what has happened for me is I'm gone. I'm not interested in that, and then I've looked at the creative team and gone, "Yes, ah, okay, I'll grab the first couple." <laughs> and usually that's followed by, as Alan says, "Ah, bollocks." <laughs> so, Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels were a were a team in the late late eighties, early nineties, and they were sort of youngsters who had fallen on hard times, if I recall. But this Fallen Angels team uh, is composed of Psylocke. She finds herself in this new world of mutant kind, unsure of her place in it. Uh, but when a face from her past returns only to be killed she seeks help from others who feel similar to get vengeance Cable who I guess is the young de-edged Cable with Ed Breeson's X-Force and X-23 we know who X-23 is join Quanon for a personal mission who could je- that could jeopardise all of mutant kind so the mention of Quanon and Psylocke together are really interesting so Psylocke is Betsy Braddock mm-hmm. Betsy Braddock is the younger sister of Brian Braddock who is Captain Britain? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, okay. I remember you talking about this last uh, time. Yeah. But uh, during the nineties, uh, Betsy had her personality placed in a ninja named Quanon, and let's not even go into it. So it's interesting <laughs> to hear Psylocke and Quanon uh. mentioned in the same in the same sentence. Never mind the same book whenever especially Betsy Braddock appears to be Betsy Braddock to Psylocke appears to be appearing in Excalibur as the new Captain Britain right so don't know what's going on really excited to find out (laughs) (laughs) you know what I think is going to be really what I think is really awesome about this is so the 90s you know the the late 80s and the early 90s were the heyday of the X-Men the X-Men were in a place where they occupied a place in Marvel in the Marvel milieu that 
the Avengers should have occupied. They were for the Claremont years. Yeah, well, the Claremont edge no, after the Claremont and the Jim Lee years. You know what I mean? The relaunch. Yeah. Um, they occupied a place of real. They were the flagship team. You know where the Avengers should always be the flagship team. Yeah. The X Men were, but how they did that was they had the two X Men core titles, X Men and Uncanny X Men, which were the gold and blue teams. Yeah. You know, operating out of the mansion. And then you had Cable's X-Force, who were the paramilitary team. You had Excalibur, who were the European-based team. You had X-Factor, who were the government-sanctioned team. Who were the Brexit team? Hey! <laughs> They've got no team. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, nobody should be on there. All full of elitist wankers. Oh, that obviously, obviously they're, yeah. they're called the Midnight Club. You know, so you had you had uh, X Factor who were the government sanctioned team, you know, yeah. who, uh, and they, you know, and then you had Generation X who were the the young upcoming new mutant team, you know what I mean? So, but the, all of those all of those titles were within the X family, but they had clearly defined purposes, mm-hmm. you know, they had clearly defined narratives of what they were there for, yeah. and that was cool, and that's what kept them going, and that's what I feel we're going back to. This is kind of this is kind of cool. Yep. Anyway. Especially like since I've been doing this with you guys, I'm pretty sure it's the first time X Men. Well, like in the past couple of months, X Men books have been at the top, at the forefront. Yeah, big yeah. style. I mean, I, I hope whatever whatever Hickman is going to finish doing in House of X and Powers of X continues because he's reimagined the whole thing and he's put them back exactly where they should be. You know. So X Men and Excalibur are uh, are back in their uh, they're in issue two, Marauders, which is one that I'm not just a hundred percent sure of. It appears to be the Hellfire Trading Company. It appears to be on the sea. You know, I, I don't know what's going on. That's Kenny Pride's there, and I, I'm not. That's one I'm just not a hundred percent sure what's going on. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, Matthew Rosenberg is on. Uh, Annihilation Scourge so Annihilation was a big the last really well apart from Infinity Jonathan Hickman's Infinity was the last really big cosmic event uh, Annihilation was uh, with I guess Annihilus brought the Annihilus wave across the negative zone and then you know da 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 so he's going from the most uh, street level yeah villain yeah. Uh, from uh, villain uh, street level hero anti-hero whatever yeah. Punisher to Punisher to Third Cosmic. time was a charm. Right? Annihil- yeah. Annihilation. Villain, yeah. no. Hero, no. Anti- yeah. 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 So, for the Cosmos' greatest heroes, Annihilation is only the beginning. So, Annihilation well, scored. It's a little bit of a weird release. I don't know. It's alpha, so it suggests it's the start of something. Just given that, obviously, Annihilation was a good few years ago. Yeah. Just, yeah. This this just stood out like a, a sort of a man. But you look at the, you look at the uh, cover Negative Zone, Destination, Annihilation. You've got the Fantastic Four. Uh, down in the cover you've got Beta Ray Bill Silver Surfer Nova Annihilus alright Blastar you have my attention Silver okay. Surfer yeah fun. I figured I would <laughs> I don't know anything about it but Matthew Rosenberg on yeah. the Astonishing X-Men on Punisher yeah come on you know okay Absolute Carnage continues oh, I read issue 2 of it last night yeah oh, really? oh yeah. it was good it was good you read mm. issue 2 I haven't read issue 2 yet no. oh it's good uh, issue one was fantastic. It really was. Fantastic. Issue yeah. one was yeah. possibly the most cinematic comic I've read in a long. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just really, Donny Cates has really brought his A game to that and big time to Carnage as well. Carnage is creepy as you know. He really is. He's uh, very, very good stuff. And 
the what they're doing with Norman Osborn as well after the yeah. Red Goblin stuff and, and, yeah. and Dan picking Slots. up from Dan Slott's yeah. last Spider-Man the fact that he thinks he is Cletus Cassidy mm-hmm. after uh, it's creepy as and uh, if you haven't and I know you have listened to uh, fantastically Stegman irreverent podcast Stegman and Friends but uh, Donny Cates is on there Ryan Stegman is on there mm-hmm. and they talk very much about absolute, absolute carnage and most importantly Chip Zdarsky is on there yeah. <laughs> or Abscar as they're calling it Abscar it's, it's one of the funniest hour and a half oh, really? very, very fun. I'm really interested to see where this is going to finish but I'm really positive that it's going to finish well Yeah, um, he's, he's done some fantastic stuff for him great stuff um, so there's a lot of a lot of tie-ins a lot of Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus that's going to follow Rex Rex Streckland who was the the old uh, guy who had the symbiote who was who's long since dead you know in the symbiote corpse you were chatting in the store the other day about when Captain Marvel had the symbiote did you yes what, what was it you mentioned for that there was a certain um, story that you had mentioned it was I was trying to remember to tell someone Carnage USA I think mm-hmm. or whatever Clayton Crane yeah. was drawing the Carnage stuff uh, so that definitely will yeah so th- it's amazing how many characters link in to Carnage who I want to start breaking it down yeah. uh, Scream Curse of Carnage um, Venom I guess we're going to be seeing it's the final issue of the, the Carnage tie-in so can't say anything about it don't know what's going to happen Donny Cates is on it he's the writer of Absolute Carnage fantastic you know yeah, yeah Venom's great um, it was interesting because I was the what is it is it um, Absolute Carnage it's one of the tie-ins it's one of the Absolute Carnage tie-ins it's finished by now uh, um, Lethal Protectors Lethal Protectors yeah, that's what it was it wasn't until uh, yesterday that it occurred to me that the characters in Lethal Protectors Iron Fist Cloak and Dagger mm-hmm. um, I can't remember who's in it but those were the characters who were there in the original Maximum Carnage storyline yeah back back in the 90s so those that, that was the team <laughs> that was in the original Maximum yeah. Carnage so I'm, I've got the two people back in that so they've shown a lot of respect to the yeah, past yeah yeah it's kind of it's, it's all characters that are connected to to Carnage you know and Shriek and you know all of those so yeah, really yeah cool if stuff. you see um, I follow Donny Kits on Twitter so I've been laying low for a while but when people aren't arguing against him yeah like I don't know what fans like are at with him but he's he seems to have a real love for that that history of the Marvel Universe yep. so definitely you can see where that comes through in Carnage but it's surprising to see the um, the tie-ins keep going until issue five. Mm. Are they just completely milking it? Or and, yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean, Scream Curse of Carnage is actually a spin-off out of it. This is oh, this right is okay. an ongoing yeah. series, so this is coming out of it. Um, I mean, when they first announced Absolute Carnage, they did say it was going to be sort of twenty-six issues. I remember it was the exact same size as Mel. Oh really? But then they went from a four-issue miniseries core title to a five-issue miniseries. Then suddenly another one got announced. Then another. So there, is, there, is, there is a danger of oversaturation. But at the same time, as Keith says, you almost forget how many characters have yeah. had contact with. Simi- um, the other, the other interesting thing is here. We know so this this scream curse of carnage is a new ongoing series. Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus is a one shot. Absolute Carnage Captain Marvel is a one shot. So this is this yeah. is it. And what's interesting, if you listen to uh, Stegman and his amazing friends, 
Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman they say whenever they talk now they're not talking about absolute courage they're talking about what's coming next and what's coming next is completely different it's completely separated so it looks like what they're doing here is absolute carnage 5 finishes in November this new Scream series starts off from it these are one shots I think come November boom it's done mm-hmm. and they're moving on to something else well that's it I mean yeah. even in that podcast they talked about how it originally wasn't an event yep. it was just arc 4 of their Venom run but oh, then it started getting yeah. bigger and bigger and they were like they maybe we to, should make this in a bit they went to one of those Marvel things that all the editors uh, get round together tables round things. tables and they were like no you can't that, that's retreats awesome. that's what <laughs> retreats, yeah. Marvel retreats. <laughs> everybody was like no this is too awesome you know so so yeah so there you are um, so I guess the next upcoming thing for Marvel which is spinning out of Amazing Spider-Man uh, Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man is the rebirth of 2099 2099 just you okay over there buddy yeah 2099 is awesome 2099 is great yeah uh, so uh, and there's a beautiful piece of symmetry there is, as well. There is a beautiful piece of symmetry. We know that this year is celebrating 80 years of Marvel. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Marvel started in 1939. Yeah, 1939. Yep. It was 80 years ago. 80 years from now will be 2099. 2099. So, nice. so that's the symmetry that they're using. A proper Ronnie. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Always good. So, I've been saving it. So it amazing well for Marvel. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 25 mm. ended with uh, <laughs> ended with a bit of a cliffhanger where Spider-Man 2099 Miguel O'Hara plummeted back to Earth in 2019 and we don't know what's going on so uh, we've got a checklist here a 2099 event checklist Amazing Spider-Man 33 2099 Alpha number one Amazing Spider-Man 34 and 35 2099 Omega and then there's some tie-ins Fantastic Four 2099 Punisher 2099 Conan 2099 that's the one yeah. I am very excited to Spider-Man see 2099 Ghost Rider 2099 Doom 2099 and Venom 2099 so some of these are kind of interesting as well because they have been stories before Punisher Spider-Man Ghost Rider Doom have all been 2099 mm-hmm. the only one that's actually missing from here I think two X-Men 2099 and Ravage 2099 oh, yeah. um, so what's going on it's obviously leading out of uh, it's obviously leading out of Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer so I think Nick Spencer's reading this or leading this I hope he's reading it I'm reading it <laughs> he's leading it you know just a shout out at this point as well by this point Pat Gleason, Gleason is yeah. on our brilliant artist yeah. big DC artist for a long time I'm slightly gutted he's uh, now exclusively sent to Marvel where's Altley going you know the, I think the or they just they switch it every kind of arc now no I think Otley's gone I yeah. think I think it's Otley's, not um, I mean they made a big announcement about Gleason joining Marvel and they said straight away this is the guy yeah this is okay. the amazing Spider-Man yeah. guy so I don't think there's any I don't think that whatever's I think Otley has done his time mm-hmm. uh, I think the the reason he started switching in and out was it just got too much for him you know yeah. he's gone from writing one series constantly yeah to, I think maybe he jumped straight from Invincible too quickly onto do you think it. some of it is maybe that with Invincible he was a co-creator along with Kirkman so could he had be. complete control could be Don't and know. therefore probably had no editing whatsoever it was like do what you want guys to yeah. Marvel yeah. where it was like uh, no you gotta do this you gotta do this you gotta change that you gotta change this so I wonder if when you've had complete creative freedom for what 144 issues and now yeah. suddenly you're on 
the biggest character in Marvel Comics. Maybe yeah. there's a lot of yeah. hoops to jump through. So, I mean, I don't know a lot of what's going on. Apparently the future is in peril. Uh, Miguel O'Hara's mysterious return to the present threatens his life and his entire universe, but why? As for our time Spider-Man, he's got his hands full with classic villains, family problems and international incidents that intertwine in terrifying ways. Um, 2099's future present is our crumbling future. What chance do we have if we're only relying on Peter, Peter Parker, Miguel O'Hara and Victor Von Doom? That's right, Doctor Doom guest stars in the mighty Marvel manner. So what villain is so heinous that Doom and Spider are on the same side? And that's interesting, because Doom 2099 was another, was another 2099 hero. Um, so it seems that 80 years ago, the Marvel Universe was born. 80 years from now, will it die? The future is in peril. Events in Amazing Spider-Man have been leaning up to this for months. Something is happening in 2099 that spans New York and beyond and will shake the official Marvel future forever. This is not a drill. It's not a drill, guys. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man 2099 has been has been one of my favorite characters since like the 90s. Yeah, since, um, since the cartoon for me. So well, what's, what's, what are the crib notes for Spidey 2099? Spider-Man 2099. Okay, hold your breath. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I may live to remember. <laughs> Peter David, created by Peter David. Um, uh, Miguel O'Hara was a genetic researcher for oh god, what did you call the company? Um, Alchemax, mm-hmm. Alchemax. Uh, he was a genetic researcher for Alchemax. Uh, he had an interest in the, uh, Spider-Man and the, the heroes was were known as the Age of Heroes. Okay. Uh, in twenty nine, he lived in New York. Um, he uncovered the head of Alchemax. Uh, he was a head researcher. He uncovered the head of Alchemax up to some shifty things, and the head of Alchemax decided he was going to off Miguel O'Hara. Mm-hmm. But in standard comic fashion, you know, fashion, he wasn't just gonna kill him he was going to kill him using one of his own experiments so um, Miguel was working on genetics uh, he in, in, in a real Bruce Banner fashion stepped into his genetic imprinting machine mm-hmm. and the head of Algamax whose name escapes me um, activated the machine and imprinted a spider genetic imprint onto Miguel Yeah. so Miguel survived this staggered out of the machine machine exploded the guy thought he was dead Miguel had staggered home um, he slowly discovered that he had uh, tiny micro hooks on his fingers and therefore could, could scale fingers walls, and toes yeah. could scale walls spinnerets in his arms mm-hmm. uh, so it's interesting because the whole idea of uh, the Spider-Man 90s movies the, you know where Spider-Man's spinners were natural rather than Spider-Man was in 2001 oh my god right okay yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean the the, the spinners were yeah. you know so that, that all came from Spider-Man 2099 oh, okay. and then you know I think Miles Morales is their, the original Peter and Ultimate Universe was the same mm-hmm. so um, he was chased whenever the whenever the head of Alchemax realised that you know he he was still alive mm-hmm. he sent an assassin after him so Miguel O'Hara pulled on this suit that he had from the Day of the Dead the Mexican Day of the Dead yeah uh, and you know went on the run and you know became eventually became this hero for New York and sort of I guess he spearheaded the new edge of heroes which involved a whole lot of other heroes uh, the 2099 version of the X-Men Punisher 2099 uh, Doom 2099 Ravage 2099 so it was it's a, it's a great 
Did the X-Men 2099 still have the original Wolverine, just in an ageless fashion? Yeah, I can't remember. I, I was really... <laughs> the Spider-Man 2099 was the one. And Ravage. Was the standard. Uh, Ravage was, was another interesting one. But yeah, and Ghost Rider 2099. So, so I'm really looking forward to this. Really looking forward to it. Um, I like that, from a retailer perspective, I really like what they're doing here because the main sort of storyline is Amazing Spider-Man, and that's it. The rest mm-hmm. are one-shots. It's not like it's pick up issue 15 of Fantastic Four and issue 16 of Venom yeah. and issue yeah. 20 of Fantastic yeah. Four I like that it is set up in a way where if you're interested in this these are a bunch of one shots and then you've Amazing Spider-Man was at three yeah. issues yeah, so, it's, and so I like the way they've, they've set this and up say, Nick, there's not a lot in it there's what 10 issues or yeah. something mm-hmm. Nick Spencer's leading it and you know if you already read Amazing Spider-Man you're getting three of those already yeah. you have to get you have to get 29 Alpha and 29 Omega um, Nick Spencer's reading it um, Conan 2099 interested Jerry Duggan of course <laughs> yeah Jerry Duggan who is on Savage uh, Avengers Savage right? uh, Savage Sword of Conan yep so in the far flung future 2099 will bar- 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 barbarism finally triumph over endangered civilization when Conan the Barbarian <laughs> <laughs> when Conan the Barbarian sold en- <laughs> entered the Marvel Universe with Savage Avengers he stayed to conquer and claim his kingship in modern times now cursed by a mystic to live beyond his years, when Conan's new kingdom is threatened, he swings his blade once more. But as the calamity of 2099 bears down in his secluded realm, will the future shock unseat the barbarian king? An unforgettable chapter unlike anything you've ever seen in the saga of Conan. We've got Punisher 2099. Got and a game worth pointing out here, these are all 40 page one shots, yeah. so plenty of bang for your buck. Fantastic Four 2099 by Carla Pacheco I was wondering is she related to Carlos Pacheco yeah. interesting surname anyway that's 2099 uh, oh look at that one Keith uh, there's Deadpool <laughs> Deadpool's back again well uh, just I mean we, we take the mick every so often about how Marvel loves a number one mm-hmm. now we've got a brand new Deadpool number one coming Kelly Thompson writing Chris Bacallo on art and covers um, Deadpool number one previous was written by Scotty Young it launched when we were in our new store. We're in our new store now about 16 months. Mm-hmm. We've already got a new number one. Marvel does love a number one. Aye, uh, so does Deadpool. <laughs> um, Morbius. I have no idea in the creative team here, I must admit, apart from obviously the cover. You will, I'm well, sure, recognise Rod. Oh, the man. The main man. Is that... Cause well, that's Ram V. There's a... The ma- Ram V is the man. There's a couple of... Uh, I've heard of Vita, Vita Alia. Um, yeah, is it is it Ryan Brown from here? Because I know there's another Ryan Brown. Oh, okay. Um, I don't there's know. There's Ryan Brown with an E who did curse words. Yeah. Oh, so that might be the Ryan Brown from here, actually. Yeah. Um, I think so. So curse words, the indie series, Charles Soul, Ryan Brown was Ryan Brown with an E. Yeah. On the end, so that's probably your other main man. So Morbius is launching for a series. I think there's a. Is there a TV series or something? Or Morbius, there's a movie coming soon. Jared yeah. Leto, after his torturous experience on Suicide Squad, is now Morbius. He'd do a better job as Michael Morbius. Cult, um, cult leader Jared Leto himself. Oh, really? Have you ever seen... No, um, have you not seen the... Um, uh, what's his band? 30 Seconds to More. Yeah, uh, so they had a festival. Uh-huh. Um, can't remember if it was like on a, like an island just off Greece or Cyprus or yeah, something. Yeah, they do like this um, yeah. sort of. Um, it's almost like a getaway. Yeah, it's like a camp. But they, it's but they, camp on, like on Twitter, they yeah. were like, "Yeah, this is a cult." 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and every, everyone likes to remind oh, like yeah I'm right. in a cult I'm in a cult Count, and like, Fons, don't, was that don't say that no. possibly right. as a band though live fantastic alright anyway he'll do a fair job as Michael Morbius so Michael Morbius was a Nobel Prize winning hematologist who effectively did he give himself vampirism and is now trying to cure himself he's a he's a Spider-Man sometimes villain sometimes friend um He's got an awesome 70s costume that reveals his chest and has lots of lapels. It has large collars. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Marvel uh, title of the month. Which? What we're about to move on to. Punisher Soviet, number one of six, by the creative team, Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs. Together again after their uh, their partnership on Crossed and Chronicles of Wormwood, which is absolutely fantastic if you haven't read it. Um, we've talked before about my own personal disappointment that uh, Matthew Rosenberg's Punisher is coming to an end at issue 16 yes uh-huh. but no, if there not, was, not, not personal to you but if there was one piece of news that could cheer me up from that it's that Garth Mr. Ennis, Ennis is back on Punisher Garth Ennis the co-creator of <coughs> The Boys and Preacher is back at Marvel and writing Punisher again this time with Art Phenomenon Jason Burroughs at his side a dozen Russian monsters lie dead at the Punisher's feet and he wasn't the one who pulled the trigger. If you know Frank Castle, you'll be Castle, really disappointed about that. Yeah. <laughs> if you know Frank Castle, you know this doesn't necessarily set his mind at ease. He is in New York decimating the Russian mob, and cannot be long before they come into conflict with Frank. We've got six issues to find out. <laughs> six beautifully illustrated, bloodily violent issues to find out. Brilliant. Yeah, lovely preview art there. JG uh, Abrams and Son. Sarah Pacelli and Spider-Man there's going to be three issues deep in the yeah, five issue first series. issue kicks off very very soon uh, MJ's on her second issue which we know you're looking forward to because you fully think that supporting characters should have their own series it's funny but uh, I have to say <laughs> the friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man number 11 that was released last week which was very <clears> MJ <throat> focused was bloody fantastic are you on friendly single issues? I can't remember now. Nope. I know we got you to read them. Tear to, up at six. Uh, I need to eleven. Get on it. Eleven is really sentimental, not to the degree that six is, but eleven is fantastic as well. Yeah. And it's Mary Jane's main star of the issue. The issue basically revolves around the idea of Peter comes home absolutely exhausted, but he's mumbling like, "Oh no, I gotta protect this city. I gotta." Protect. You know, he falls asleep. Mary Jane's like. I'll take care of it while you're asleep, Tiger. <laughs> and that that's the basis for the issue. Yeah, that's, that's all you have to do. Yeah. And it is fantastic. Uh, Ed Breeson's Ghost Riders <clears throat> at number two. Christopher Cantwell's Doctor Doom is at number two. Um, we're all about the number twos here. Fantastic foreground yeah. design number two. Absolutely. Um, Invisible Woman, which Mark Wade's Invisible Woman, which up until now has been brilliant. First couple of issues uh, is finishing of off. Uh, can't say enough about Dan Slott's Fantastic Four really enjoying it it's a really solid backbone of the Marvel Universe which is exactly where it should be it's the negative zone number one well one shot here Fantastic Four Mike Carey and Ren North one of Reed Richards greatest discoveries is the extra dimensional negative zone that exists parallel to your own universe but now an experiment that Reed began many years ago has come back to roost and the Fantastic Four will once more venture into the hostile expanse in order to put things right all right 
Yeah. <clears throat> you picked up Web of Black Widow number yeah, one. Yeah, just uh, see there, Web of Black Widow hitting number three. Stephen Mooney. That's the main reason it attracted me. Is that me Stephen Mooney? Stephen Is that Mooney the Stephen Mooney? It's the Half Past Danger ah, Stephen Mooney. If I'd, if I'd have known that, I'd have picked and up the first issue. Julie Hauser, who was the writer on Stranger Things comics. Um, yeah, Web of Black Widow, five issue mini series. Black Widow is one of those characters that doesn't come along often for her own series but the last one she had was Mark Wade writing and Chris Samley on art which as anybody who's listened to us before knows I love their Daredevil run but yeah this Web of Black Widow five issue mini series uh, delving into Natasha's past as Keith said Stephen Mooney on art great artist um, wonderful to me for Half Past Danger wonderful indie series called Half Past yeah. Danger which is the easiest series in order to pitch because it's Indiana Jones meets Jurassic Park Beautiful. It's he writes. Fantastic. He writes and, and draws. draws that. Yeah, he and does. Also, both. Half Past Danger Two. Dead to Rights. Dead to Rights. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. How they are not movie shit is beyond me. Oh. But uh, yeah, we're hitting issue three here at this point. Um, yeah, first issue was really fun. Um, I might have to grab that. I haven't realised it was Steve Mooney. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you sorted. No, sort of. Cool. Uh, the Fantastic Immortal Hulk continues into issues twenty six and twenty seven. <laughs> covers by Alex Ross just get better and better and we've got some variant covers actually throughout Marvel this entire month that are 2099 covers so characters that had 2099 variants such as Doom Hulk all have 2099 variant covers <coughs> I mean this is this is one of the greatest sounding blurbs so far so Immortal Hulk 26 he's got an underground fortress he has powerful allies he's even got henchmen He's got everything he needs to declare war on human society as we know it. He's the most dangerous man in the world. And Bruce Banner is just getting started. Oh, fantastic, <laughs> yeah. That sounds fantastic. Two Hulks on the cover. Mm-hmm. This is going to be something to do with uh, with Bruce Banner's split personalities, isn't it? Cause that yeah, because one looks angry and one looks calm as well. And there's Joe Fixit right at the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Jason Aaron although he is sadly finished with Thor will be continuing on Avengers uh, looks like we're going back to a little bit of uh, uh, Avengers 1 million BC and uh, yeah some good stuff I know I know King Thor will do you want, be uh, do you want another moment of silence <laughs> no, we're fine we're fine King Thor 3 of 4 that's fantastic and that's Gore the God Butcher on the front cover listen to the excitement of the voice he was in the first the first arc do you know what though number 4 is out of Christmas (laughs) (laughs) it's okay two of these books Uh it's going to be a great Christmas for you it is yeah (laughs) he's going to sit and read that on Christmas day and be like a present to me. <laughs> 20, 2020 approaches in the Ironman. Yeah, yeah they interesting with that, that, just to throw out a little um, thing I noticed earlier. We're going back to the big previews book at this point, but just we were talking about Halloween Comic Fest and uh, some of the titles. There was a Tony Stark title, Tony Stark Ironman. Uh-huh. Um, what it actually said was, uh, I can just find here quickly, The Road to Ironman 2020. Interesting. So Absolute Carnage started pretty much on free comic book day. There was a Spider-Man one-shot. Oh, yeah. Sort yeah, of yeah. laid the groundwork. So I just noticed that earlier. I thought it was interesting. Cool. Cool. Um, I know Invaders, Chips Adarsky's Invaders is coming to an end. 
A what? Shortly, yeah. I think it'll probably go to 12. So if it's going to go to 12, you're going to have a month of The Last Invaders. Yeah. Last Game Thor. Yeah. You're going to be okay. I'll be fine. I'll be <laughs> alright. Invaders uh, has been great though. Absolutely uh, brilliant. History of the Marvel Universe has also been fantastic, the first two issues. That's a uh, class cover, that. I don't know if I'm enjoying it because I'm a Marvel fan and, and, and I know a lot of the stuff. But it's really well written. It's really the art's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you getting out of it as a? I mean, I'm. It, it does read a little bit like a textbook to me, but at the same time, the artwork is so beautiful that I'll just keep going with it. And it is kind of like a. It's kind of like an encyclopedia. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the crib notes, um, I suppose. I think uh, Tanahisi Coates Captain America has picked up brilliantly over the last two issues. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Steve is no longer Captain America is he still on the run he's he's now you escape from prison he's on the run and he is baseball cap walking past TV with his face <laughs> on it yeah it's very very good very very good so he's you know what what they said was the word you know, Sean Carter has said the world doesn't you need Captain America the world yeah. doesn't need Captain America what the world needs is Steve Rogers so it's kind of kind of cool you know the legend of Steve Rogers so brilliant uh Guardians of the Galaxy I've been really enjoying The Death of Rocket Phil Donny Cates on there yeah, yeah that last issue was pretty heartbreaking it really was a yeah. lot of it from Rocket's point of view yep great stuff uh, Strike oh. Forces on issue 3 and there's some a couple of classic issues being released in the facsimile editions so facsimile editions seem to be a little bit controversial in the comic book industry at the moment more so with DC sort of head honchos than Marvel I mean Marvel seemed to be really happy to pump them out but I think it's a good thing. I think it's a way of getting to read classic issues without having to pay through the nose for original editions. Um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Uncanny X Men two six six was the first appearance of Gambit. Um, Tomb of Dragon number ten was first the first appearance of Blade. Yeah. Yep. So it's just a good way of reading classic stories. They reproduce the adverts from them. Um, the paper is maybe a little bit modern, so to speak, but it's a great way of reading sort of classic and especially classic. when on the page opposite is issue 3 of Teeny Hard Strike Force which is Blade the Vampire Hunter's new team <laughs> lovely oh Daredevil oh Daredevil oh Marco Cicero's back on art as well fantastic because so, the art's been letting the book down a wee bit the last a little bit I mean the, yeah. the strength of the storytelling has kept it going but you look at the first arc of Daredevil where Marco Cicero did every mm -hmm. issue stellar yeah possibly one of the titles of the year yeah the last few issues the writing has been just as good but the art the been art a bit functional i would have said the art would have been not quite ready for not quite ready for the big leagues yeah not quite ready for a daredevil book it's the sort of art you would have expected uh, just like a like try out sort of young guns like, almost. Yo, yeah i'm getting yeah. there but i'm not quite there Art, okay. if you know what I mean. Wait, what, what was what was the issue I read with his last time? The last issue was at the one where uh, it was the Murdoch was at dinner. Dinner, yeah. It was, it was functional, but like, don't get me wrong. It's Chichetto's a great artist when it comes to action and movement and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Now, in fairness, the issue we're talking about was all talking heads yeah, and people yeah. around the dinner table, but because it was so Just well written, you didn't yeah. care. Yeah. yeah. But we've just noticed there that was. Uh, three issues into New York called uh, Through Hell so it's issue 13 yeah. awesome looking cover with a keen pin which mm -hmm. is always a good thing um, 
you know, uh, Tatino Tedesco on there. Always does great. Um, Daredevil covers. He did the cover of Punisher wearing the Daredevil mm-hmm, mm-hmm, symbol right, on yeah. his chest, which was brilliant. Um, so uh, yeah, Daredevil just goes from strength to strength for me, though. It's it's fantastic. Conan, Savage Sword of Conan, and uh, Conan the Barbarian. Jason Aaron and Mamad Azra are still on Conan the Barbarian at issue 11. Roddy, did you read? You didn't read the couple of issues of uh, Savage Sword? No. Nope. Has Conan playing the card game, the card game in the casino? No, you need to uh, let. Yeah, you told told me about I'll them last them time. To you, definitely. Uh, I, because I still haven't read any of Savage Sword. Uh, on the main series. Roy Thomas has taken over from Jerry Duggan uh, oh. as a writer, and Alan Davis has taken over in art, so we'll see where that goes. But for me, Conan the, Conan the Barbarian is still the core title. Yeah. Conan, yeah. but Savage Sword has some great stories. It's a great cover that he yeah. said, Rebich, for uh, number 11. He's just. Um, did you read the Exodus? Conan the Barbarian? Yeah, do you know uh, what? Pretty much entirely silent. Yeah, a silent. Yeah, it was the most. Yeah. it was gorgeous. Like, loved it. Loved, loved it. it. Yeah, and you didn't read. Was it in Savage Sword the story that Conan went back to Samaria? Oh no no no! no, no so no. there was a great story, no. and so the new Exodus, kind of the yeah. Grand Exodus, which was it was absolutely beautiful. That the Isadoric stuff. Right. Every panel was just like just beautiful. Stick it on a wall. Yeah. Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. There was a savage sort of Conan story uh, by Jerry Duggan where Conan went back to Samaria, went back to the people who raised him. Yeah. But he, he was taking them back. He was visiting after oh, his adventures, okay, yeah. you know, and yeah. he, he was taking them back presents, you know, the people who raised him, his grandmother and such. And he got back to find the the uh, the sorcerer that has been plaguing him through a uh, savage sword. Uh, uh, what did you call it? I can't remember what you call the sorcerer. He's got a... He's got a name you would recognise, Tathamon or whatever you call him. Um, he has taken over, he's used this uh, spell to take over the people of Conan's village mm-hmm. and they're all, they've all become cannibalistic, they want to eat Conan, they want to chase him down, you know. So Conan goes on the run but in a really MacGyver style, you know, he, he uses all, one you know. more thing, Samaria. <laughs> That's Colombo, not MacGyver. Oh no! <laughs> so in a really MacGyver, MacGyver. style. Oh MacGyver, yeah. he uses all. I the, only you know, know MacGyver from The Simpsons. So he's brought he's brought uh, like spices for food, yeah. and he yeah. uses the spices to throw in their eyes, or he uses the you know all these different things that he's learned until eventually he can convince his grandmother, who's all you know that you know to overcome the magic and. You know, in that way to kill off the guy who is the, it's a great story, really, really okay, good story. Cool. Yeah. Highly re- highly recommend it. I'll I'll loan you that one too. Star Wars Corner. Greg Pack, Greg Pack, Matthew Rosenberg, <coughs> Cy Spurrier. Why are we not reading Star Wars Corner? It's half expecting you to say Star Wars Corner, here it comes and there, there it goes. goes. Yeah. Now there's a trade to look forward to. House of X and Pars of X. Where's your Christmas cover? present sort of right? Yeah. Damn straight. That's 12 issues isn't yeah it? 12 issues this is out in December 2019 so you've got House of X and Powers of X as we've talked about a lot uh, Jonathan Hickman on writing duties Pepe Larraz and Arby Silva so one's doing one title one's doing the other one, um, is, one is the the history present and future of the X-Men and the other is the current story and this looks to be a wraparound cover for it beautifully illustrated by Mark Brooks I might get that um, I might get that anyway yeah I mean obviously it'll be in the correct reading order um, 12 issues yep yeah I'm looking forward to our end of year 
podcast because that's yeah, going to feature prominently. Feature, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. I might get that hardcover. I might get, despite the fact I've got all twelve. <laughs> um, Marvel Comics one thousand hardcover. Don't know how they're going to hardcover it because uh, it's plus extras oh. and it'll also be 1001 as well really interesting story no point in talking about it now yeah. um, Winter Soldier hardcover Marvel's 20th anniversary hardcover which includes oh why oh it does include the epilogue sorry it includes Marvel's 0, zero to 4 Marvel's epilogue 25th variant and material from annotated one to so four. that'll be the annotated that'll be annotated stuff, one to yeah. four there that'll you, be that's a beautiful for you Roddy yep. oh, no. I mean it's not until March 2020 so uh, birthday right. present <laughs> cool um, there were de- there were a couple more trades in here worth mentioning though uh, Daredevil volume 2 so we were not attacking the art but just in comparison to the Marco Cicero stuff it's definitely a bit more functional but the second arc of Daredevil has been Brilliant. So it has called No Devils, Only God. Um, Very much brings Matt's uh, religion to the whole thing, which is. And brings Matt to the forefront yeah, as well. It's it not does. even so much a Daredevil story as a Matt Murdock story. Uh, but the other one I wanted to mention was something I put up on the board myself, which. Uh, oh, well, before we get to that, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man Volume 2. Um, yeah, I mean, Friendly Neighborhood was apparently supposed to be a miniseries. Mm. and then it was so well received that they just it's going to at least 14 because 14 is in this issue but uh, there's the other one I wanted to mention so Silver Surfer again as anyone who listens to this knows one of my favourite Marvel characters just love the whole cosmic side of the Marvel Universe when Surfer's involved they're doing a treasury edition of Silver Surfer Black Mm. now Silver Surfer Black three issues in so far has been utterly utterly brilliant um imaginative uh inspiring the artwork is just gorgeous yeah. it's just incredible tried, tried and it's interesting because see when the first sort of few images were released a few people i tried to hype the title up to sort of went i'm not sure if i like the imagery it's a bit psychedelic it's a bit oh, i'm not too sure but the more you read it like you're just blown away by it. the colors you don't like psychedelics people i know, I know. <laughs> that's a whole separate conversation yeah. <laughs> but uh, Silver Surfer Black for me again I've just sort of mentioned it in passing there as a joke but when it comes to the end of year podcast stuff we're going to be doing that is going to be mentioned highly as well and the idea of seeing that in a treasury Keith's already thinking of the, ten hour of the 10 hours he has to set aside but so treasury editions are essentially oversized editions they are maybe you know twice the size of a comic size um, seeing that art blown up is going to be a big kick to me and even though similar to Keith Sam with House of X and Powers of X he owns all the issues but he might, he'll buy the trade Silver Surfer Black got all the singles I will buy that Treasury Edition that's that's almost the equivalent yeah. of an Absolute Edition that DC would do so I will really cool. really look forward to that and with that my young Marvel apprentice Alan Taylor closes the Marvel book <laughs> really? Okay. Speaking way too much about Marvel these days. Actually, there's a few trades in there. Um, the Avengers uh, Defenders War Trade Paperback by Steve Englehart. That's a classic. Uh, again, December December 2019. Um, the, uh, about the... the X-Men Milestones Phalanx Covenant uh, Trade Paperback by Scott Lobdell. Chris Cooper... Todd Zago, Fabian Assis, uh, Laurie Hama. Laurie Hama's appeared a few bit here. So, the Phalanx Covenant was a great, uh, was a great story. 
the biggest and best of uh, Marvel's <coughs> Mighty Mutants. These are the X-Men milestones. Powerful anti-mutant bigots have resurrected a technoganic alien nightmare, the Phalanx, a cold, vicious and unstoppable foe that absorbs all in its path. But these creatures are far more than their creators bargain for, and they plan to summon their parent race to overtake Earth. Uh, when the Phalanx captures the X-Men, the remaining X-Men teams must split into three groups to save young mutants from the Phalanx clutches, to prevent the foes from contacting their homeworld, and to rescue the X-Men. Uh, but even with the aid of the rogue Phalanx unit, Doglock, can these ragtag teams succeed? Collects a whole wreck of stuff, 488 pages. Collects Uncanny X-Men, Excalibur, X-Men, X-Factor, X-Force, Wolverine, Cable. Um, so that's, and it also links into uh, what uh, House of X and Powers of X is doing at the minute. But why would I even consider that when it's only a third the size of Boom? Well, complete collection. <laughs> consider Boom first. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, good stuff. And uh, Avengers Epic Collection, The Gatherers. Uh, there's Black Knight who uh, and Cersei, who, as we know, were going to appear in the new um, Marvel movie, which name is Eternals. Eternals, that's the uh-huh. one. Uh, Black Knight's going to be played by Kit Harrington, isn't that right? From Game of Thrones. Self to put me off it. Yeah, uh, but a great story as well. Bob Harris. Yep. Anyway, that is Marvel <coughs> closed. Cool. He says as he continues flicking the pages looking for something else to talk there about. Is no more, there is no more pages. <clears throat> no more pages. Job done. Job done indeed. Alrighty um, boys. I think that was a massive indie section, a massive Marvel section, sandwiched by a small DC section. But that is the way the books fall this troubles, month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the way the cards fall. Um, nice one, gents. There's, there's actually a bunch of stuff there in DC that I hadn't thought about and a bunch of stuff in... Yeah, indeed that I haven't thought yeah, about even more stuff than yeah, I'd yeah. originally considered yeah. so but I don't know how the reader the readers the listeners feel yeah I mean that's it I mean we'll we'll continue putting out sort of daily updates uh, on the board um, from the board on Facebook um, we talk about everything but on the board there's generally the things that we're really yeah, really those are the things yeah. that I think go straight on our pull lists anyway I mean that that's ultimately what the board is in a way it's almost us sort of showing our pull list beyond the ongoing stuff that we obviously subscribe to and all the rest, but uh, those are sort of the new things we're ready to jump onto. Um, How but do people order from you if they want to pick something? Well, up? that's it. Pop into the store is always the best idea. You know, there's nothing beats sort of face to face conversation. But <clears throat> you can get in touch through Facebook. You can uh, pop into the store as I say, or you can uh, email us if you've even pull this request that kind of thing. But I mean, these previews books as well, obviously we spend a good few hours going through them. They're always sitting in the store. So even if you just want to pop in, grab a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, sit and have a chat about what you like, the books are always there to look through. Um, I know we already do a three-hour podcast on it, but you know, there's enough material in these books to satisfy. Yeah, there's even 10 or 12 hours Yeah, we never, I always, I do always feel bad. We just like, skip halfway through that indie section but yeah we never go into the creepy nothing. section yeah. of, the, of the previous catalog and what's the other one <laughs> Zenoscope. Zenoscope. so coming soon is the Coffin Heroes bonus and Zenoscope <laughs> section curated by Ma- minus, uh, Roddy minus Keith and Roddy <laughs> curated by Roddy um, which he really wants to win too <laughs> just, just to dissuade his guilt yeah um, but yeah, no, the books are always available in store, guys. So if you ever do want to pop in, have a flick through them and a, and a quick chat, we'll, we'll guide you through them as best we can. Two, two massive preview books this month. And uh, two Marvel books. And uh, one DC book. Quite it's only one DC. It's, it's almost like they, they knew there wasn't an awful lot of DC stuff this month. 
But anyway, um, I think that is it from us. I think that uh, these gentlemen need to get to their homes. I've got a bed to go to and a work to get up to in the morning. Yep. He does. I have a store to open Similar. in the morning. Yeah. And uh, Roddy has a pull list to come and collect tomorrow. Yeah, What's next on the agenda? Uh, next on the agenda, so we're going to have a reviews podcast coming up soon. We've got another book club on the way, given that Keith finally read a Stone Cold classic. Yes, indeed. Which we will... Oscar will announce it here. Yeah. I have I have wanted Keith to read for a long time Court of Owls. Because this is your this is your pick. Court, yep. Court of Owls is... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're back to me with the, the picks. I mean, Court of Owls is one of those stories, and obviously we'll go into it more depth, but just to say it quickly, like, if you're a new reader to comics or you're an established reader, you will get the same amount out of Court of Owls. Agreed. Agreed. Scott Snyder, I... You know, I mean, I've loved the stuff he's done since and the stuff he did before, but for me, Corvallis is his masterpiece. Um, it is it is the book that will bring new readers to the medium. It's the book that will make old readers happy. But uh, Keith finally read it. He yep. has had my copy in his possession for <laughs> two and a half years. It's not that long. <laughs> a few months. Yeah. No, well, now in fairness, Keith has enough to read, but... No, but he's, he's had it for a little while, but you know, we've talked about doing it for a book club, so he knew you had to read through it, and I believe it was pretty much one sitting. Yes, I read it last night. Uh, how many issues was it? Eleven. Eleven issues, and I read uh, a further two issues when I was having my porridge this morning. So we will go into further uh, discussions on that on the next book club. Um, as I said, there's a reviews podcast coming soon as well. Um, and again, keep an eye on the social media guys for the, the full concrete announcements on the uh, claim and signing. As I say, we hope to get that out in the next week or so. I'm just waiting for Roddy to help me design flowers. Brilliant. Yep. Those I'll were, try, try Those were two thumbs up from yeah. Roddy there. <laughs> yeah. Great. That was good fun. That was. It was good fun. Brilliant. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yep. Indeed. So, always a pleasure, guys. Uh, and I will see both of you in store probably tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Because we don't get enough of each other's company. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll hopefully see you guys in store as well. So, cheers. Bye-bye. Cool. See you soon. It's Kurt Busiek as well. Oh. Guy writes Marvels. Well, that's why he's busy. Because he's also writing history of the Marvel Universe. That's Mark Bate. That is Mark Bate, you're right. Correct. <gasps> Why is no one recording yeah. this? Yeah. He actually is, believe it or not. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let him delete that. <laughs> <laughs> delete! <laughs> Just see a tomorrow headline. Fraud, Mr. Marvel! <laughs> <laughs>